I'm really only doing this because I hate you all. Welcome to episode number 160 of Grumpy Old Bands for Friday, May 14th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where they're still shooting each other, but I feel about 10 pounds lighter. And from America's left coast, where I may have to take back some of the things I've said about all electric cars, I'm Ryan Pemrose. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it would just be easier these gas shortages if everybody had electric cars but i want to say that uh listening to the last episode of grumpy old ben's 159 the first one i didn't appear on carl with a k from the who are these podcast show did a fantastic job and i want to thank him for sitting in and being so very humble i, mean, I love yes. right out of the I gate i was really pleased <laughs> and there was only once when he had to call me out on my bullshit and uh I appreciate him holding back most of the other times so he could get better at that. But I loved right out of the gate. He was like, yeah, I'm Carl. Darren's not here. And now everybody just shut the podcast off. So nobody's going to be listening. <laughs> he knows how to kiss up. He is good at that. I will give it to that. Uh, to Carl. He's better than I am. <laughs> well, yeah, you don't have it in you. No, it's not something I it's it's not a skill I ever cultivated. And, and after the colonoscopy prep, I don't have much in me either, man. Whoa. Let me tell you. Oh, my gosh. Do you? So I listened to Random Thoughts where uh, you you gave excellent gory details. Uh, do you do you want to repeat that experience here? Or, Not really. Or all just I, pretend it never happened. All I will say is the experience itself. Once you get into the doctor's office, no big deal whatsoever. The night before, as everybody had pointed out in the troll room, that was uh, that was the time that nobody's having any fun. And I guess I ruined the uh, Neil Young song for a lot of people because as they wheeled me in to the room where they were going to do the colonoscopy as they were putting me under not a joke as joe biden would say i heard neil young singing hey hey my my into the black and i'm like whoa that is uh one kind of scary when they're about to put you under with anesthesia but for what the uh what the doctor was about to do too into the black just seemed (laughs) appropriate Well, there's there's an argument to be made that Neil Young ruined it first, but I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. So, again, thanks to Carl. Crypto craziness still going on because I've got this in my notes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. For the last few shows, and I've mentioned this on the last few, so this is getting a little bit repetitive. But when we talked about what 0.05 Ethereum was worth uh, five shows ago, it was at 138. Four shows ago, 156, uh, three shows ago, 175, or no, I'm a number off. But then the last show, of course, we didn't do that. Today, it's at 199.45, so still stepping up, which See, is... This, this is after I, I read an article that Elon Musk had personally managed to completely tank Bitcoin. It did for a day. I mean, this yeah. is the weirdness <laughs> up and down, which is where the people that, with That's a ton about of how money. long Bitcoin can stay tanked for. It, well, it's because this is where the people with a ton of money are making money when you know how to manipulate these swings. 
And it was interesting because yesterday was the first time with one of these little mini crypto crashes that Cardano, the one coin that I actually believe in right now, was going up while everything else was going down. So it was interesting to watch Bitcoin going down, Ethereum going down, uh, and all, you know, everything down that line. There was nothing else going up except Cardano. And the reason all this stuff was crashing was because Elon Musk finally talked about something that we've talked about here on Grumpy Old Ben's. Oh, yes. The power consumption. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I I have pointed out several times one of the big problems with Bitcoin and one of the reasons why any environmentalist who who is, you know, a self-respecting greenie who considers themselves educated needs to shy away from any kind of proof of work coin. Proof of work means that Everybody is competing to throw as much computing resources at the coin as possible. And whoever solves the math problem first, which in this case, I think is an SHA-256 hash. I might be wrong with that. And all the all the Bitcoin advocates are now going to email me to you. Well, actually, but um, either way, it's it's a bunch of computing and crunching. And and uh, Bitcoin is whoever whoever gets the right hash first gets to mine the block and therefore get some from fresh coins. Um, this kind of competition, I mean, competition is generally good for things, but a hell of a lot of resources and a hell of a lot of electricity goes into a whole lot of people's expending resources that they don't get the block. Right. And this, I guess, just occurred to Elon Musk that this was not a green concept which is why i don't understand the rise that bitcoin itself has had i believe eventually a crypto is going to win but i believe it may not be cardano but i believe it's going to be something like cardano which isn't based on that method so it is not a power intensive cryptocurrency because that is if you're worried like you said if you're worried about the the planet if you're worried about resource usage if you're worried about electricity being burned then you can't be a fan of bitcoin or ethereum or any of these systems that require that kind of computing power in order to be able to mine the coins so it's going to be an interesting show to watch and and just just to be clear uh you know why i said proof of work the the other type of protocol that the one that cardano uses is proof of stake and Again, I might get this explanation wrong on the technical side, but my understanding is that there is an algorithm which just chooses somebody who owns some coins and happens to be running the Cardano algorithm and or client or whatever is chosen by an algorithm, whether it be, you know, the oldest coin first or random or whatever. The algorithm chooses who is going to make the next block, and that person is the only one working on making the next block. And therefore, with only one person having to make the block, Instead of hundreds of millions of of processes simultaneously trying to make the next block, it takes a lot less power. Yeah, I don't understand the math. That's one thing I will admit. I don't understand how the math works. I do understand the concepts. And this is pretty simple. One takes a ton of electricity. The other one doesn't. Which one of those will win? I If I had to place money on it, and I didn't have to, but I did. But the one I'm betting on is the lower resource, which... There's still a lot for Cardano to be built upon. 
to get it to do the things that people want it to do, like what Ethereum is, which is why Ethereum has gone nuts since we first start talking about it with the NFTs. When we were talking about the NFTs, which seems like just what, two months ago or so, the Ethereum was like uh, $1,600, $1,700, and I think it broke 4000 the other day. So, I mean, it's going up quickly because it has the function. But from what I understand, from my research, Cardano is working on adding all that kind of capability. And I think once they do, that will be the one to watch. Or somebody else might come out of nowhere and throw their hat into the ring. I did notice the other day that the Pirate Bay was down for a couple of days and they reemerged with a new little uh, logo icon type thing above the Pirate Bay logo which is now bringing people to a token exchange called uh, Pancake something other. I had never heard of this thing. It's uh, called Pancake Swap, but it is a place where people can go exchange tokens and you, people can create tokens. There is now a Pirate Bay token, which I thought was kind of intriguing. Of course, everybody right off the bat because, you know, it's Pirate Bay are questioning well what is this is this just a scam is this well, a with, quick money with grab? a name like pirate bay they could be you know giving free lunches to children and a lot of people would be angry with them right they'd be like <laughs> what is this why are you doing this uh, but it seems like this is legit which is they're creating their own token and it seemed to me if i can pull up the pirate bay sites and you know, i'm on a list but we all know we're already on list that uh, their explanation I'm, I'm collecting lists for their explanations for what this is. And this is from the Pirate Bay site. What is this much? Wow. Question mark, which I think is an interesting way to phrase a question and the ultimate rug pull question. So basically, what is this? Should you be excited or are we screwing you? So it was nice of them to have this little FAQ on their site. They say, quote, it's a soft launch to a new thing we want to try. And we have many ideas and their ideas are donate to uploaders, donate to moderators, direct video streaming through partners, VIP content, member member logins based on BSC address, file hosting through partners, much ideas, much wow. So great. I don't know what their original language is. Whoever wrote well, this. The, the, the language is and, and I know you. You, uh, even on the last random thoughts, you, you so delightfully disdained all things meme. Uh, the language is, uh, totally a reference to Dogecoin, which before it was a coin, the Doge was a meme that used language like that. Makes sense. And I hate memes. memes. Yes. I'm old. I'm grumpy. That's why I I bring memes. memes for you just to make sure you keep you grumpy. But reading this, what I'm hearing is just in different words. Exactly what Adam Curry and Dave Jones and podcasting 2.0 yeah, is all supposed to hearing. be. When, would, when you were describing that, I was thinking this is only a couple steps away from streaming Satoshis. Yes. So this is interesting. This is very interesting because there are so many different things you can do with this technology. And it's great when you're doing it for things like helping pay your favorite podcaster. But if the technology starts being used to pay your favorite pirates, then, you know, there becomes a question of governments and regulation and 
your ISP is trying to block things. So it's going to be fun to watch exactly how this goes, because there's a lot of people out there that do pirate software. I mean, one, if you go the piracy route, we all know there are major risks involved, which your computer could be totally pwned. You can end up getting ransomware. So all of your yes. files get zipped. You could you could accidentally get ransomware installed on your pipeline. Yeah. So that's also that's a story we've got for today, because there's some really interesting things with that. But when you deal with the pirate stuff, it is questionable on what the payoff is going to be. I mean, if everything works out right, you get a free piece of software and you screwed Adobe or whoever. If everything goes wrong, you could have much, much bigger problems, which is one of the reasons why piracy has gone down because i think people as long as what people are charging for the software i'd much rather pay five or ten bucks for a piece of software than worry that my system's going to get pwned now if it's a thousand dollar piece of software i might risk the pwning a little bit more so, i mean the, the the piracy argument I, I it was it was something that carl brought up on monday that i i really hadn't really thought about but he he kind of made a lot of sense is uh music piracy is going down. And part of that is he says, you know, when, when I want music, I used to go out to pirate sites and, and then for a while I went to YouTube, but now I just load up Spotify because I've already got the app and it is way more convenient to just say, I want a song. If, if you're on, it doesn't have to be Spotify, but any service, that has the song you want when you want a song right now, it is more convenient to pull it up on an app than it is to go out, try to launch your torrents and everything. Uh, you know, I mean, the only thing more convenient is if you already happen to have it, but for that, you need multiple NASAs. Right. <laughs> and a lot of hard drives and they yeah. crash every now and then. And that's a pain but, in uh, the ass. But, you know, we've always talked about, uh, you know, price is it, convenience is what wins over everybody in, in today's convenience driven world. And, you know, price is part of that convenience, but it's really uh, it, it's people make decisions based on how much mental effort they have to put in. And if you have to go in and and turn on your, you know, launch this and turn on the VPN and, uh, you know, make seven different steps just to listen to a song that you've got that you, you know, caught an earworm in the supermarket or something then that's a lot less convenient than just launching it on the app and, and privacy be damned and security be damned. And, and you know, whether, you know, whether or not you have to sit through ads, whatever. And I it, think most people with music, if your favorite song disappears from Spotify, you just play something else. It's a little different for most people. I think than music or for movies or television shows where if you want to sit down and watch friends and that's gone, well, then you might be mad. But if you want to just hear a song, Ah, well, I'll go to something else because it is just easier to do so. But that's one of the biggest questions that I've had over the past few years when it comes to piracy, which is still running rampant overall. But the question is, what do the people that upload the stuff get out of the deal? I understand what all of us leechers are getting. If you download an album, you now have the album. But what's the person uploading the album getting? How are they monetizing that? What is the reason they're doing this to put it up on torrent sites? Now, it's different. There are sites out there that will charge you, you know, a membership to be able to download off of their version of 
one of these downloading services. So the only way you can get the content off their site is if you pay them directly. So I get why they're doing it. I don't well, understand why people throw stuff up on Pirate Bay for, because you're not getting paid to do it's, that. It's for bragging rights. There's there's a lot of people out there who have large pirated collections and want to brag about them and don't have a podcast or a a live pre-show stream in order to show it off. And they need to make sure that people out there know that they have really large pirated collections. I mean, it's nice that people want to share stuff, especially live music and stuff like that, that you can't get elsewhere. But this, I think, could be a major game changer to the amount of piracy going on, because the minute somebody can upload their stuff and get paid safely and securely, if that's what it seems like the Pirate Bay is trying to pull off here. If you can be yeah, a pirate, yeah. those those two words, there's a lot of details oh, behind them. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because um, there's I, uh, I will I will point out that, that taking my tongue out of my cheek, the uh, there, there is human nature in trying to wanting to be helpful to other humans. It, it is, you know, when when there are no other considerations anywhere, people, most people and, and this might, you know, this might be me showing my unbridled optimism. But most people are generally good people who want to help out others and 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 seeding torrents and uploading to pirate sites is one way that we can internalize helping people out. Uh, the reason I mention that is because uh, there there have been a number of places where uh, when when users are generating things without having an apparent incentive just because they want to make stuff. Then the moment that you introduce a marketplace for it and say people can get paid, uh, the number of, of free from the goodness of my heart uploads of the things just kind of tends to vanish. And, and a few people will go on and try to get paid, but you can make the argument that the overall, you know, this, this, by the way, happened with, uh, um, Fallout 4 game mods is the thing I'm thinking of. Where uh, for Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, and even Skyrim, all the mods were free. The mod tools were out there, and thousands of mods were uploaded to sites where people just loved it. Fallout 4, there's um, a tiny fraction of the total number of mods available. And a big part of that is because the game company came out and said, we want these mods to be sellable. And now... Uh, we're going to run, you know, well, first of all, they locked down. They said that we are going to run the only game store that you can use for this, which may or may not have worked. That sounds very Apple like it, it was. And, uh, and, and, uh, Bethesda came out and said, uh, and if you want to charge for your mod, you can now charge for your mod. Now people are saying, okay, well, now if you want to download this mod, it's $3. And a lot of people are going, yeah, I don't really need to mod this game anymore. And the popularity of creating mods for the platform dropped to about 5 or 10% of what it had been in previous games. I mean, it makes sense. And that's something that needs to be considered when places like these companies that produce software or musical artists make a change. There's the one folk singer, Todd Snyder, that I really like. I buy his stuff. And he was a very taper-friendly artist for years and years and years. And part of that was, for most shows, because he's a small artist, you know, it's not like you're seeing him in the 10 or 20,000 seat arenas. Usually you're seeing him in fairly small venues, bars, and things like that. For most of his shows, 
the soundboard recording showed up because anybody that went in, the guy running the soundboard didn't care. They probably bought him a beer or, you know, yeah. <laughs> nowadays, maybe gave him like, a Starbucks here, gift card. <laughs> here's the here's the cable to my recorder. Can you just plug it in and we'll spare Jack on your soundboard? And they would. <laughs> and so you had a ton of really good sounding bootlegs that were out there. And I think that really helped him grow as an artist and get more people that were interested, more people buying his stuff and going to his shows. He decided to go the route, and I can't blame him for this, but it's an interesting thing when you look at the economics then of what happened, because he went the route of, well, I could record the soundboards and sell them. And that's the route they went. And while they still allowed audience taping, they didn't allow soundboard taping anymore. And the amount of shows that I saw posted on the usual places that people share such things went down to a bare minimum. And it's like, well, is that actually helping you or is that hurting you? Because there's a certain amount that you want people to be involved with your product. And when artists are taper friendly like that, and maybe this is just me, maybe I have a different mentality, but they're the ones that when their album comes out, yeah, I'll probably illegally download it first because that's the quickest way to do it but then i'll buy the cd or now more likely the vinyl or i'll buy one or two copies of the vinyl because i want to support the artist or i'll buy some t-shirts or i'll buy something like that because i think they're doing a solid for their fans saying hey well you can record the shows and you can pass them around and the people that go the exact other route you're kind of like, well, you're penny pinching and I'm much less likely to want to uh, to dive in and really support an artist like that. So it's it's an interesting uh, balance, really. I, I don't think you're alone as as a consumer of product in in seeing that there's a lot of places where where somebody will if somebody's like, hey, I'm I'm doing this, I'm not getting anything back. But if you want to donate, then donations are huge. I mean, we kind of operate on that model. But the moment that it, it's one of the reasons why paywalling part of your content or or trying to do like Patreon exclusive stuff is so difficult to manage the messaging, because the moment that you say, uh, actually, I'm really just going to require a little bit of payment for this people, then then people's willingness to donate out of the goodness of their heart goes down a lot right oh there's no question and i can tell you i own uh, a hardback of i think every gary vaynerchuk book that came out because he was a genius when he started all of this stuff because he would do a bunch of content and he would give anybody advice and he would interact on twitter and the social medias and this you know he would come out about once a year and be like hey i've got a book coming out if you've really enjoyed any of the content I provided over the last year, do me a favor and buy the book. And that was a great selling technique. Even if I didn't want the book, it's like, okay, yeah. Have, have I gotten value out of anything else he's done? This was the value for value. Then buy my book. And it worked. I, how, how, how many of those books were about wine? None. I None yet. I don't believe oh. they're all on marketing. The thank you economy was one, which was just uh, some were better than others. We can put it that way. But he was one of the first ones, I believe, to put into book form a lot of the concepts that I thought were kind of no brainers, which is, you know, if you're starting a podcast or something or a blog or whatever you're doing, you have to go interact with those communities and provide them with content, not just like, hey, 
You don't go find somebody tweeting about wine and go, hey, buy wine from me or here, buy my wine book. You find people asking questions about wine and then you answer them and you become a part of the community. And as you become a part of the community that's providing them with something of value, then they also want to support what you're doing. I think this might seem obvious because this is what your fourth podcast, but I think a lot of creators out there, that does not occur to them at all yes. when, when you're starting out. You know, it's like when they think you just post the podcast and people will yeah, find if it. If you build it, they will come. Right. And no, that is certainly not the case. You have to find your audience and you have to become a part of the community and you can't just look like you're shilling your podcast, even if that's all you really want to do. You've got to tamp that down because people can tell the hard sell a mile away and that just doesn't work. So it's an interesting ecosystem that has popped up around all of this stuff. And it's interesting to me that this Pirate Bay thing is now throwing something in where, you know, the words are very similar again to podcasting 2.0. It's donate. It's not pay your uploaders. It's not pay the people moderating or the people that are sorting through looking for the crap being posted. It's donate. And wait, means- wait for it to be, uh, uh, you know, download this piracy 2.0 enabled app. Right, right. That may be what's coming. And, uh, and if you can make the piracy safer, more people would jump in. That's uh, that's a part of that deal because you don't know what you're getting. It's not like a well, it is kind of like a box of chocolates. It's just if you get a bad one, you may end up having to uh, spend hours recovering from backups or whatever you're doing there but i'll put all the links to this in the show notes of course hours recovering from backups but enough about your colonoscopy (laughs) i mean hey it was not as bad as i thought it would be Uh, the wife's having hers this monday so uh we'll see how we'll see how that goes are you participating no no i mean i have (laughs) i have really bad eyes so her dad is driving her so i don't have to do anything except uh just sit at home and prepare for Monday's show. So there's uh, there's something to be said for that. I mean, I've gone through it. I survived. I will say that uh, we went out for a uh, early lunch, late breakfast, whatever you want, and with my parents. And it was nice going into a restaurant again. It was the first time I've been in a sit-down restaurant in over a year because, well, one, I'm, I'm antisocial, and two, COVID. Yeah. And but but now that you've got the jab, you don't even have to wear a mask. So Biden says, I know. Well, this is well, the CDC says, which is oh, right, interesting. Right. No, what, what was it? Biden said uh, the choice is simple. You either have to get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. Yes. And there is a lot and, to unpack with that. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting here like have, I've got the, you know, the Gandalf meme in my head going, you have no power here. <laughs> But you have all the power. So here is here's my take. Oh, no, on I'm talking mean to Biden. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. But the interesting thing here and something occurred to me, which is there are a lot of people out there, rightfully so, that do not want to wear a mask and have been fighting wearing a mask. You're one of those guys. You don't want to wear the mask. Now, here's the intriguing part about this switch. That just happened. Now they're telling people, well, if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. It's kind of like if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear the mask. So everybody talked about masks and virtue signaling that, oh, they're just wearing the mask to show how virtuous they are. Well, now 
by not wearing a mask, whether you have or have not, you're telling the world, I've been proudly vaccinated. Something you don't want to tell the world as an anti-masker. So this is a real mind fuck when it comes down to it, because now not wearing a mask is virtue signaling because it's telling the world I've been vaccinated. I, I, I'm pretty sure you just called me an anti-vaxxer, which, which is, no, of course, I'm, just saying there's, I'm saying there's a lot of people that are. OK, you're an anti-masker. Uh, well, I, I. I'm a very private person who doesn't think it's any of your fucking business what my medical history is. Well, that's fine. Unless, of course, I tell you on a podcast, but that's a separate thing. <laughs> right. You, when you broadcast it to the world. But is is this not a very interesting psychological experiment that now the people yes, not wearing the mask? See how how I, this is implemented. Well, forget how it's implemented, because there's well, no I, I am paying attention to how it's implemented, because so far the CDC has said a thing, but that hasn't changed anything that that God Emperor Jay fucking Inslee has decided to. <laughs> yes. To declare the states are going to be a little different but the question becomes and this was a conversation that was been going on in the troll room which is well how are they going to know if people have been vaccinated And the answer is there is no way to know they will never be able to know there is really it's been for the last five months it's been really easy to tell exactly who's vaccinated because they fucking tell you all the time where they're lying. They hold up their cards. They wear it like a goddamn badge on the front of their shirt. I, it, yeah. But the cards are black print on normal cardstock that anybody can go buy at their favorite office supply store or through Amazon, I'm sure. I, I'm not admitting to that. <laughs> that right you've now. ever bought cards. I didn't say you print one. But the the materials to make a card are just paper and a printer. There's nothing special. When we got vaccinated, my wife and I got vaccinated and they handed me the card. I kind of looked at it like, really? Are you kidding? I mean, you didn't even make them plastic. You didn't make it something that would cost a little extra money that the normal person couldn't just go and well, print there, at home. if they There have been to. a number of, of businesses that pop up where uh, you can you can give them your official vaccination card and they will laminate it. And put it into like some kind of durable frame thing that you can either frame or keep in your pocket or purse. I mean, th- there are businesses in in trying to spice up that card, make it look more sexy. <laughs> That's kind of sad. I mean, can we get it tie dyed? Can we make it look really cool? But this is I mean, there's two different aspects to this. The first is there is no way that anybody can verify anything. So. The question is for most businesses, because businesses can restrict service for any reason they want. You know, the whole no shirt, no shoes, no service kind of thing. So if you go to a restaurant and the question now becomes, are they just going to ask, have you been vaccinated? And you just say yes. And then you go right in and have your meal. Or are they going to force you to produce a card, which I doubt, because why would they want to do that? And two, Anybody can print one at home. So uh, there's there's a couple classes of of restaurant here. Well, you know, there's let's say at least three. There's one is the people who understand this is bullshit and want to act out against it. And I I had a story that actually I wasn't planning on bringing it, but I'll mention um, my brother loves to go to a little hole in the wall restaurant called that one place in Port Orchard. And uh, they opened up twice during the lockdowns 
against orders and ended up getting reported in in Inslee's narc list over and over again. But that narc list is public. So what they ended up doing was every single time they got a report, they added it to a big billboard or, or a uh, chalkboard that was just inside the restaurant. The name and address and phone number of everybody who reported them from being open. <laughs> so they so there's that. Is, yeah, there's there's the people who are are genuinely like a, a oversized amygdala amygdala scared for their lives and want to make sure that you wear masks and are, are you know constantly even eat through the mask and are being vaccinated at the table during your meal and. And those people, there's uh, it, honestly, uh, they need to grow the fuck up, grow a pair of testicles. And if uh, a restaurant owner is going to be that hardcore about it and harass me, I don't need to eat at that restaurant. Right. But the very, very large group in the middle, which is more than 90 percent of all restaurants, is going to be the people who are uh, I'm doing this because I want to keep my restaurant open and I don't want the state to come and revoke my business license or whatever. And for those people, it is, you know, the, the, again, depending on how it's implemented, the states might come down and say, uh, you know, you have to you know, if, if the state says you have to verify a card, then then it, um, I, I, I haven't been to a restaurant in a while and I don't see a need. But if the states just say, you know, you they have to affirm that they've been vaccinated. Yeah, um, that, that might be what I do if because. If I go in and they're like, well, you have you been vaccinated? I say yes. And then I get to eat without wearing a face diaper. Then we're getting back to normal. And that's good. Right. That and is all it cost me was not having to follow some unconstitutional regulation. I'm good with that. So it's interesting because there is no way to verify because the cards are so easy to duplicate that it's absolutely crazy. We're going on the honor system. There's no other way to go. So the people that don't want to wear masks just don't have to wear masks anymore. It's a beautiful thing. And the people that want to wear masks, well, the funny thing is now they kind of seem like the people that are anti-science because they're not getting the vaccine. So it's kind of like it's the opposite. The act of wearing a mask in public now has totally flipped that the virtue signalers are now the ones without the masks. It is. It's it's a mind fuck, but I think I, this I, is I think this is being done for a very simple reason. We've talked about it here on Grumpy Old Ben's. I did a whole episode on random thoughts over a year ago now, I believe, when Adam Curry interviewed Maurice DeHunt, the data guy out of the Netherlands, that talked about looking at the data and saying this is aerosolized, and we heard from all the smart scientists, put that in air quotes that this was droplets and it was things you were touching and that it wasn't aerosolized. We heard that for a long, long time. That's finally come out now that the people in the know, the people that are running these governmental agency type things have finally admitted that COVID-19 is aerosolized. And you know what? Masks don't help aerosolized viruses in the air. So I think this was the only thing they could do to back themselves out. We're not all dead. Well, not everybody's going to die. That's the other one. Oh, now now you're going against the narrative. Well, no, the narrative isn't everybody's going to die. The the narrative is, you know, it's dangerous, which it is for certain groups of people. The narrative is a lot about keeping 
a certain amount of power over people and telling them what to do, which we've seen vastly different reactions throughout the United States and the world. But within the United States itself, we saw California, which was from moment one, lock everybody down, close all businesses down, screw all the small businesses and hide in your house where there were states like Florida that went, eh, you know, maybe wear a mask. Don't be stupid. Wash your hands. And the end result for both of those states kind of came out to about the same results, which shows none of these mitigation techniques were working until the vaccine. The vaccine does appear to be working. Now, will there be side effects and people will start growing extra testicles or turning into werewolves in a year, five years? I don't know. But it does appear to be kind of cool. (laughs) It would be an interesting, you know, it would be an interesting reboot to the world. We'd have other things to talk about then. Um, But there's no question in my mind that the vaccines, whatever else they are doing, are helping with eradicating this disease. I mean, one of the things that I thought was just a uh, something that I, I didn't expect was there was a Chinese vaccine which we've heard from a lot of really good sources that, you know, China doesn't really have a vaccine. They're not really up to that point yet. They really don't know what they're doing. But there was a Chinese-made vaccine. I think the CCP knows exactly what they're doing. Well, they're, well between them and Fauci, they, uh, they know probably exactly where this came from. But there was a small town in Brazil. I believe it was right outside of Sao Paulo, if I remember correctly, reading this article, that they decided in brazil to do an experiment and their experiment was a little different than most which was they decided with this chinese vaccine before wanting to roll this out to everybody in brazil i don't know how they picked this town because the town basically became guinea pig central because 85 percent. i'm sensing a nuremberg violation coming up go on i don't know maybe but what happened here was the town voted or they were chosen you know they were like in uh um, what was it? The you know the one Pixar movie like you've been chosen that eighty five percent of the adults agreed to get vaccinated with this Chinese vaccine, and it worked. The town went back to normal. They stopped wearing masks. They start uh, stopped doing the social distancing, and the amount of serious illness and hospitalizations which had been running rampant through that area and still is in most parts of Brazil, went down to nearly nothing. So there's no question in my mind that the vaccines work for what they're supposed to do. Is there an additional payload? I don't know. Either that or all the illness was caused by the mask wearing and social distancing. But that's not the the, the data doesn't back Uh, that up. Well, what what you just described to me, that's just as much of a possible explanation. Well, it's not because we see, like here, California, Florida, two totally different things, same results. So the one thing that was changed here was the Chinese vaccine in a town in the middle of Brazil, for whatever reason, they picked this town, and it was a successful vaccine. There's no question that the vaccines can work. Again, I don't know what long-term effects may come from the vaccines, but that part works. And there's, I don't know what type of vaccine, if this was an mRNA, I don't recall that even being in there. Cause I mean, it's a Chinese vaccine. Who knows what it is? They could be injecting you with the blood of scorpions. I don't know, but whatever it was actually seemed to work. 
So when you look at what's going on here now with the mass, I do believe that they realize it's aerosolized and they knew there was going to be more pushback if they continued the mask wearing, because once you admit it's an aerosolized virus, how do you continue to tell people, no, masks will help you? Because you're like, well, does air go through masks? Because I'm pretty sure it does. Well, I, 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 the best masks are the ones that don't admit any air. Those you can wear for what, like a minute, <laughs> two minutes. Yeah, yeah. And then the people wearing them are are no longer a, a lodestone on the neck of society anymore. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm not actually proposing that we murder everybody who are complete morons but uh as you know i'm a proponent that we don't need quite as many uh warning signs on things telling people not to do the things that they should already realize they shouldn't do and when we've been a proponent of do your own homework and decide what is right for you what is right for your family i am concerned about the fact that the Pfizer vaccine has now been approved for anybody over 12 years of age. I don't think 12 year olds are dying from this virus. So I don't know why you would stick them with a vaccine at this stage. And that is also worrisome when you read if this is legit and I didn't double check this and the troll room is could feel free to do so. But the VAERS database which track side effects for the vaccines was way more populated with entries about the Johnson and Johnson vaccine than either the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine. And this is only in the United States, this VAERS database. And if you've been following this story, you know that in the United States right now, About 90% of the vaccines, I believe, or may even be higher, but a vast majority of the people that have been vaccinated have gotten the Pfizer or the Moderna shots. The Johnson & Johnson are in the way minority, but when it comes to this database, they're the vast majority. So why? The the Pfizer vaccine, that's the sexy one. Just ask anyone on TikTok. Dude, it's so scary when you see. It's, It's a status symbol. To be getting the Pfizer, you're like, oh, you got the Moderna? Oh, well, I can't be seen with you, people. It is uh, it is a little bit strange to, I mean, I understand the concept, and it can be done for good and evil. I think it's very weird, and I think it's Ohio, that if you've been vaccinated, you're a citizen of Ohio, you can sign up. They're, they're having a lottery where they're choosing one person and giving them a million dollars, and you have to be vaccinated. In order oh my to, God. to get into the, yeah, the lottery. The donut idea continues to live. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is a bigger donut. Not everybody gets it, but you know, people love them some. Oh, I could win a million dollars. Yeah, sure. The odds of and, that. And somehow I'm the conspiracy theorist of, for being skeptical of a shot that is so good and so compelling. You have to pay people to get it. You can also understand the other side. I mean, I can play both sides of this game fairly easily which is we have this magical elixir that is perfectly safe and will purge a disease from humankind but people are too dumb to take it so we have to we have to play the little carrot game and be like oh if you take it we're gonna give you a treat i mean you can play both sides but that argument is based on information that we can't possibly have well you have a certain amount of it you don't have long-term data 
but there's been a fair amount of research into these things. Are there side effects? Yeah, there's no question there are side effects to the vaccines. Now, the concept that people were going to be dropping dead astronomically more after they've been vaccinated because this is how bad it was going to cause the, you know, a storm once people actually got COVID in the wild. And that doesn't appear to be happening. Well, <laughs> that appears it, it, to be except that except that it does two orders of magnitude more than any other drug that the FDA has ever considered. What magnitude two times what? Well, the, the idea that uh, th- this was statistics they brought up on no agenda yesterday, the idea that any other product that the fda has ever reviewed if they got five cases then you got a big black warning that says this might cause death and if you got 25 cases then it, it was done it was gone it was off the market you had to go try again and uh we're we're seeing more than two two orders of magnitude more than that in in these these emergency authorization vaccines well, it may be higher, but there's also people that are dying and getting very ill at a much higher magnitude of the actual virus. So uh, there's cancer, heart disease, all these things that we haven't been allowed to test for. Suicides, gunshot wounds. I'm not sure how you test for suicide, but uh, <laughs> in gunshot wounds, I think you don't really need a lot of science behind that. But it's easy to to play both sides of this. And there is a very social media thing going on when it comes to the vaccines and uh i liked a meme i don't know if he created it or if it was one that i heard was, you hate memes i do i hate memes with a passion but our buddy chris sir sir seat sitter from the abs and a six-pack show posted one that said this is how things should go in this country and really throughout the world but this is not the reality but in the meme there was, you know, a guy on the left and the right. And in the first block, the guy on the left is like, you know, I decided not to get the vaccine because I don't think it's right for me. And the guy on the right says, that's good. And then in the next one down, the other guy says, I decided to get the vaccine because I did the research and decided that was right for me. And then the other guy responds with, that's good. But that's not what's happening here. This is not what's happening at all. We as a society would have to respect individual choice in order for that to happen. And I think that went out the window with the rise of the crybaby generation. That may be. That may be. Because, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it a tiff, but I had a few words with Mutter before the show. And it wasn't I wasn't angry about it, but he called the people that got vaccinated sheeple. And I'm like, look, don't be little <laughs> people. I mean, this doesn't work. This is how the problems start. I fully respect Mutter saying, I don't want to get the vaccine. I think he has the right to say he doesn't want the vaccine. I understand why he doesn't want the vaccine. And I will stand up and fight for him to have the right not to take the vaccine. But then when you turn around and go, well, if you did, you're just an idiot or sheeple or whatever, you know, kind of words, terminology people are using. It's like, well, that's not cool. Well, I pledge on this show not to ridicule you. For having got the vaccine. I have so many other ways and reasons to ridicule you. I don't need to go there. We're good. It's a long list. I mean, we would have a much better society if people dealt with so many more things like this because people like different things. People have different thoughts, and that's good. That's part of the diversity thing. And being able to have a rational conversation breaks down when you start throwing names around and not having respect for the other side 
there are people, like I said, I don't think if I had a 12-year-old right now that I'd be like, let's rush right in and get the Pfizer vax. But for me, I'm at that age, you know, 51 now. I mean, I had a colonoscopy. Yeah. You're like, I don't have too many years left. What does it matter if this kills me? May as well roll the dice. Well, I mean, I yeah. have, you know, high blood pressure. You know, I, I can still lose a little bit of weight and I've had heart condition. And I know one of the things I mean, and very healthy people, because one of the guys that was an athlete, it was a, a pitcher from one of the teams, Major League Baseball, that got COVID early on, that one of the things they noticed was his heart enlarged by a, a scary percent during the, while he was infected with the covid uh, with the virus. And it's like, well, you know, as somebody who has had heart conditions, uh, I would really rather not get the virus because the virus, I believe I could be one that it could kill me. But that's because I'm at the age I've had a heart condition and I have high blood pressure. So for me, it made all the sense in the world. When I could get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, and I think we talked about this, my wife and I talked about these and was like, yeah, the mRNA, I mean, it, they might be safe, but I don't want to be that guinea pig. But the Johnson no, and Johnson, that was to me, the the risk level on that jab was more than acceptable to offset the possibility of getting covid and dying I from it. I think I want to leave this at individual choice. I don't think we're going to bend a lot of minds. And honestly, with the the willingness to respect people's individual choice, I will present data, but I'm not going to badger anybody in or out. I just uh, I, I, you know, I, I have my opinions. You have yours. Um, but if you want to more, if you want another hour or 30 of uh, of the vaccine talk, then I recommend anybody listening who wants more of this to go and listen to any of the last three months worth of no agenda shows where <laughs> it seems to be the big topic on the show. And they, they bring a lot more data. They bring a lot more analysis. They're, they're a lot more dispassionate about it. And, uh, I, I feel like, uh, we should go back to tech. Well, I do want to point out there were two big stories that one was the Yankees, I think had seven or eight players that were infected. And of course they all had the Johnson and Johnson jab. Yeah. And Bill Maher had a positive test yesterday, had to cancel the Bill Maher show. <laughs> and he had one. I don't know which vaccine, if the article even said, but he was asymptomatic. It was just because they're still constantly doing these I'm, tests. Yeah, I'm betting none of these. They, I, I'm certain that it was all PCR tests, but I'm betting not one of these articles gave the number of PCR cycles that was used to determine the quote unquote positive test with the Bill Maher one. Definitely. That would be a question. It's like, why are we doing a test? If the guy feels healthy, why are they still doing the test? And that's yeah. something that still hasn't been proven. And I don't know why the science isn't here on this, because I think it would be easy to figure out. Take some people who have been vaccinated. And then if they test positive, See if they're actually shedding any virus. You should be able to figure that one out. But nobody's talking about that with the Yankees. Now, I just want to point out when it comes to the technology behind vaccines overall, which it's no difference with the with the Johnson and Johnson shot, which is the one I got, which is the one the Yankees opted for. I guess, you know, one and done. They figured that was the better dose. Can't blame them for that. But I don't know what their symptom level is. but. The concept of a vaccine is not that you won't get sick if you get the virus out in the wild. It 
gives about, I think the Johnson and Johnson one, that was why the big number when they talked about the efficacy of it, the Johnson and Johnson was like 63%, which meant if you came across, it's not guaranteed. Okay. Right. You can say that the, the, uh, up until 2021, the point to a vaccine was in fact to significantly reduce the risk of getting sick. It so reduces. The I, I don't risk. know where the expectation changed. Well, it reduces even with the flu, which we've been getting flu no, vaccines for years and years and gonna... years. Even with the flu vaccine, it was to prevent serious illness. This but is I will the concept tell you, there's of... nine, pe- nine people on the field, and if eight of them got this, then I'm just not feeling like that vaccine changed their stats or their probability that much. Well, maybe they're swapping spit. Who knows? It's the Yankees. There could be crazy stuff going on. <laughs> But this concept is, you know, you might run across the COVID or a variant or something like that where, okay, you're going to get infected, but the vaccines keep that from being deadly. It keeps you from being very sick. The flu is the same way, which is, you know, I've heard this from my doctor for years. It's like, you know, you might still get sick. I mean, you might still get the flu, but it's going to be the difference of whether you're going to have 104 fever for four days and want to die. Or you're going to have 101 fever for two days and it's just going to be a headache that tamps down the severity of the disease. And a lot of people looking at this because they're not scientists or they just want to post memes and stupid shit like that are like, ah, you see, they got vaccinated and they still got sick. The vaccines don't work. And that's bullshit. That's not a reality. And it pisses me off that people are that fucking stupid that they don't understand this kind of stuff. Well, that's not a valid argument because uh, nothing, no, none of these procedures are a hundred percent effective, and it definitely nobody's ever claimed that the that a vaccine is a hundred percent effective. It it is designed to drastically reduce your chance of getting it and of transmitting it, and uh, maybe the quibble is about what drastically means. But in general, uh, you know that number should be in the 90 plus percent range and so saying oh well this one anecdote happened and that disproves is is not a rational argument at all but i'm gonna go ahead and cling to my mandela effect where in the past at least you got a vaccine because you wanted to not get the virus and you wanted to not be able to spread the virus and you wanted to not get sick and somewhere along the line expectations have now been changed that says if you get the vaccine the only effect will be how severe your symptoms are which in 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 admittedly my my memory might be going in old age but that's not how any vaccine was marketed before ever and um well any vaccine I'm, i'm more bothered by the redefinition and and saying well this is now what you should expect this is now when you you know when you're vaccinated calling it a vaccine at all and saying, but you're still going to get the virus and you're still going to give it to others. Well, then then it's not a vaccine, not in the way that every vaccine in human history has worked before this. Well, no, it's not every. I mean, anything that is virus based, which mutates, you deal with this. Now, I don't know when you go to things like polio. I'm not a scientist, but I mean, there may be diseases that are what they are. You know, there's not multiple variants or anything like that. Those you get, because if it's not something that mutates, well, then a vaccine is easy to you've got your one bit of code that you're trying to stamp out. And that's in the vaccine with anything that mutates. It becomes a 
much more difficult game of uh, whack-a-mole because as things change, there are going to be slight variants and will you get a little sick, will you not? The main thing, which is why when people were poo-pooing, although I get it, because we see, as you said, the marketing behind Pfizer here, when the Johnson & Johnson one came out, I remember a lot of people being like, ah, oh, it's only 63% efficacy, oh my God. But in the trials, when the people were given the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, zero deaths or hospitalizations when people had that vaccine. So, okay, you could say that you still had 37% of the people who you know tested positive. I don't know what level of symptoms they had, but it didn't take one person into the hospital and not one person died from it. So it's uh, it may just be more marketing than anything else, which is why uh, Johnson and Johnson is getting the crap that it is. But it, it's not helpful when people go, oh, they had a vaccine and they still got sick. Oh, the vaccines don't work. You know, it's just uh, it's not helpful. It really Man, the is trolls not. are really calling you out of the troll room right now. <laughs> I don't care. They're wrong. Okay. Wrong. I want to talk about ransomware. <laughs> Why? Do you, did you get some? Uh, before we get to ransomware, I want to talk about the uh, the Wi-Fi motion detector issue. We never corrected okay. it on the air. That you were wrong. Well, that's why we never corrected it on the air. <laughs> I remember listening to this during that show, and I'm like, no, no, you need like multiple access points. And you're like, no, we got three antennas. It's like, no. And I went and read the articles that you provided, and they're showing all the different devices in your house that are being used in order to triangulate. So, I mean, I didn't think that the technology was that scary yet, but I just I, I needed to fact check you. The, just, the physics actually, the physics is entirely possible. But you have to bounce those waves off something which is the problem unless you're actually doing radar and i don't think radar can work through walls wait wait, wait, how do you think radar works but you can't do once you hit a wall the radar send a signal out it's not so right okay so somebody's on the other side of a wall how are you monitoring them with radar wi-fi signals go through walls no, they don't. If it's if, if it's hitting uh, it something and bouncing on what's in back, the wall. radar doesn't bounce back. It depends on what's in the wall, but the average technician doesn't install no. an access point in every single room. No, but you have a phone in every room. It takes a device in I every have, room. I because have, if you're one going, access point in which this it's house. It's not using it. radar. It is not I, using radar. But if it was using that radar concept, that once it hit a wall, you're not going to see anything beyond the wall. It's bouncing back. Okay, sure. Uh, Wi-Fi goes through walls. Radar uh, would bounce back. Don't you fucking understand? If you're using, EM if waves. you're on one, if you're looking at one device, okay, sending okay, out just, a signal, how do you expect I, it to go through a wall? And then how after that, how is it going to find a person? What is the technology it's using to find movement beyond a wall if it's using a radar type? It... it, it Okay, I'm going to try to explain the physics once because the physics does work. You you send out an EM wave. This is how radars work. It just depends on you know what frequency determines what it goes through and what it doesn't. We already know that 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi goes through walls. The evidence for this is very simple. You have you can use Wi-Fi in a room that does not have an access point in it. If there's an access point, why on the would other the side signal wall. bounce back? What? Why would the signal bounce back with Wi-Fi? It doesn't. It requires it, multiple devices to tell what is in between them. It read the articles that you provided. That's how it works. Okay, you, you know what? You go ahead and pretend that you're right. I'm fine with that. I go read I the article. That's how it back works. On that topic. 
I, I got so much crap from this from everybody. And if everybody is already an expert on this and knows more than I do, then I don't need to talk about it. Go back, read the article. No way. No way. You want to see rage quit here? <laughs> sure. Go ahead. <laughs> That's fine. Well, try harder. It's fine. <laughs> Damn it. Um, what else do I got? Um, I don't, I don't know here. Uh, what, what did you, oh, you wanted ransomware, which I mean, this, I mean, I, well, it was a big thing. Well, yeah, well, there is uh, one. Yeah. Well, you had the pipeline. There was along with ransomware as well. Maybe not as big because it's Ireland. And I mean, I guess who really cares? But the whole national because, you know, Ireland nationalized medicine, their whole nationalized medical system ransomware. They took the whole thing offline. It's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Get this shit off the Internet, people. I, uh, yeah. OK, so there, there's lots of places you can go with the, the, the very, you know, just saying ransomware. There is so many opportunities for rant. But let's go ahead and start with if if you manage I.T. for a very large organization or, uh, you know, a, a, a hospital or a bank or a pipeline, um, first of all. In order to be any good at your job, you need to be aware that this is a thing. And I don't know. Well, okay, it's not just I'm, a I'm thing just going back after- up and start with with get your command and control systems off the freaking Internet. Yes. Yes. Because this is not just going after big companies. I mean, like it seems like every other day now there's a release like QNAP warns its NAS users that there are ransomware. There's malware. All this stuff spreading around that is. Uh, you know, trying to hit anybody with these devices and it's getting scary. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, the big, the big ransomware story was, was of course, uh, we'll go ahead and, and recap. Um, the reason why it is now, uh, in the neighborhood of $7 a gallon to purchase fuel in Virginia is, is there's a number of factors that went into it. But one of the first is that one of the big pipelines that I guess goes from Houston to New Jersey, uh, they got their entire shit encrypted by ransomware and ended up paying out five million dollars. Um, I, I think it was five million in Bitcoin or something. It wasn't clear to me. Yes. But, uh, in order to get their computers back and, uh, and this sparked an immense amount of debate, uh, especially amongst the people who are like, you know, don't negotiate with terrorists. You should have just had all of your computers destroyed or whatever. Yeah. OK, I mean, yes, it's it's a not a great thing for the computing industry to pay off ransomware. But I tell you what, if if you're running a business, it's even worse for your business to lose everything. And your IT department already fucked up badly by letting your shit get encrypted. At that point, it's damage control. But this was uh, what 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 is it called? Col- colonial pipeline, I think. Yes, the colonial pipeline. They were um, hit by Dark Side, which is a great yes. name. <laughs> and what I found way more fascinating was was this Dark Side organization, which I've dubbed as ransomware as a service. Yeah, that's about right. Um, they they apparently they provide tools, marketing, press release and customer interactions for people wanting to conduct ransomware attacks, including making calls to victims, hosting servers where the stolen <laughs> data can be offloaded and even negotiating the ransoms. It's a one stop shop. 
I, I had no, I mean, there's a business for everything. They, um, when, when I dug in the, uh, you know, two things that jumped out was, uh, one, they have a rule. They will not attack hospitals or nonprofits. Well, at least well, they have, uh, they have a bar. If it's a nonprofit, are they going to be able to pay? <laughs> pay some of them more than others. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's a nonprofit run by Bill Gates or something. Right. Um, and then they said about uh, the colonial hack, they said, quote, our goal is to make money and not create problems for society. From today, we introduce moderation and check each company that our partners want to encrypt to avoid social consequences in the future. Wow. <laughs> we we have cyber criminals with a conscience. Well, this is a very strange thing, because one, I would have thought they would have just disappeared after getting their cash. but. You know, one, you're absolutely right when it comes to do you pay or do you not? Well, if it's cheaper to spend the five million dollars, then it would cost you 20 million to nuke all your computers and rebuild your whole infrastructure. Well, then, yeah, of course, there's no guarantee yeah. that the criminals are going to un- de- you know, undecrypt there, your stuff. Once once you've had all your shit encrypted and there, I mean, there is no good answer to that dilemma. The, the, the correct response, the, the correct thing to do is to have had decent security in the first place and not get your shit encrypted. Um, once you pass that point, uh, do we pay, do we pay and hope that they give us our stuff back or do we just scrap everything and rebuild? Neither of those solutions is, is, is fun. Neither one is a good option. No, no. And the question then becomes what can be done? to go after these groups because this is a big deal and most of these ransomware companies if you want to call them that and legitimize them as such most of them are in places in the world that are not the united states I, I, you know you if you want to call them a company i, I you know i doubt they're incorporated but uh, <laughs> this dark side organization this is capitalism it is well it's cap it's, it's not the good side no it's, it's yeah it's I mean, OK, so more accurately, it's organized crime. It is organized crime. And uh, Bill O'Reilly just wrote a book about organized crime, killing the mob that I'm listening to. And he brought that connection to this hack because the concept of what can be done with this. And I had no idea this. Well, I mean, I kind of did. But he brought out the specifics of what the president of the United States can do. When it comes down to deeming an organization a terrorist organization and in the guide, whatever it is within the law, it clearly states if somebody is committing acts that are going against the infrastructure of the United States, whatever it is, this would have definitely been a part of that. The Democrats, this the what do you mean? The Democrats. Uh, 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 a terrorist organization. Oh, you're making a joke. I get it. Yes, but uh, well, not really. <laughs> the uh, the concept was when the, to the question I, of what can be done. If Joe Biden would have brought out his pen and wrote down, "Dark Side is now being deemed a terrorist organization by the United States," that means the United States can take any means whatsoever. To neutralize Dark Side, including you know dropping drone on them, you know bombing the hell well, out of them. They're they're online. I mean, if you can find 
somebody. Well, they probably could. I mean, I think they're, you know, the IT guys are good enough. But that if you want to scare the crap out of these people doing these kind of scams, if you could be deemed an enemy of the United States and a terrorist organization that I don't care if you're sitting in Nigeria or in Russia or whatever it is that, you know, your building may just explode randomly one night. Because, you know, a gas leak or something. I, I mean, with with a lot of online criminals, you don't have to drop a bomb. You just have to kick in their mom's basement door and take their Mountain Dew away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a little different for the people that are doing that. And yeah, obviously, you know, you don't want to uh, you probably don't want to kill a 15 year old and his family if they're the ones doing the ransomware. But if this is a, you know, more organized type organized crime group in, you know, name whatever country of your choice. And you think, hey, there's no way uh, nobody's ever going to be able to do anything if you might think twice. If you believe that the, uh, you know, the next time you walk outside, a drone may fly over and uh, blow you up. Yeah, but it's an interesting concept because I never even really considered that possibility right when this had happened. But it's like, oh, so all this takes is the president to declare a group a terrorist group and then the united states can pretty much do whatever they want what was that yeah antifa well yeah which i mean Uh, they should be i mean that would uh, also they they should be it's much harder to bomb people on your own soil but uh i I believe the trump administration did and then biden reversed that one yeah but uh so yeah we got uh we got one pipeline shut down which did in fact interfere with the supply of of fuel to the east coast and um that's not the entire reason why things went insane and and i am much more fascinated by the interesting dynamics after that because of course you know this became public and as soon as the media picks up on it and and their their agenda of make sure that everything that we say will chill you to the bone and make you quake fear out of your butthole um, they had to make sure that you knew that all of society was going to collapse because there was no gasoline left anywhere in the world after this thing happened. People were putting and, it in plastic bags. Yes, <laughs> what the hell, people. Just, I, I just watching. I okay. Normally, not a huge fan of ridiculous, overbearing government regulation, but there's some of them that are really there for your safety, like. Only put gasoline in containers that are designed for it because sparks will mess up your day. You think? There was an image in, there was an image this morning came across. I saw of a Hummer that was completely burned out about 60 feet away from a gas station where they had apparently filled up five big gas cans, put them in the back of the Hummer and filled them up without putting them on the ground first. And by the way, rubber tires. Your vehicle is not grounded, so you're creating a static charge. Guess what happens when static hits fuel vapor? Um, boom. (laughs) You know, plastic bags, you know, like the Ziplocs you put your sandwiches in. They're not going to handle petroleum based products. No, that's the other. (laughs) The the plastic bags that dissolve in gasoline. Yeah. Yeah. I just so. um and then and then the other uh the other big thing not just the media trying to create a panic when you know just like just like last year uh last march when when suddenly it was difficult to find toilet paper because because a, a panic was created by the media and everybody 
who were easily swayed by that went out and bought up a year's supply of toilet paper all at once. And suddenly there weren't any. And then people started taking pictures of empty toilet paper shelves at stores. And even more people went out. And I mean, it, it it's well, yeah, it was mass hysteria. Yeah. And yeah, self-fulfilling. The same thing is happening with gasoline. But let's see if we can metaphorically add a little bit more fuel to the fire and have complete idiots like the the governor of north carolina roy cooper who declared a state of emergency and when there was a bit of a shortage and a lot of hysteria causing a run on things decided to enact price controls which by the way for everybody out there who does not understand really basic economics in response to a sudden spike in demand the price goes up in order that the demand curve will be flattened, the supply can keep up and you reach a brief equilibrium that keeps the entire supply from collapsing. Because if the price spikes up, then people will look at this and go, actually, maybe I don't need that seventh jug or plastic bag of gasoline in my truck right now. Maybe I'll put off and wait. Maybe the price will go down in two weeks, which by the way, it will, because this is a hysteria and not, uh, and not, a, I mean, the shortage is the, the pipeline is going to be back in a week. They, they, they paid it off. The, there's the shortage is not going to last more than half a month. The only reason why they, every gas station in North Carolina suddenly ran out was because Everybody out there was told you would better buy your gas now. And the price did not go up. It couldn't go up because of price controls. You are guaranteeing that your state is going to run out of fuel and the economy will grind to a halt when people can't move around because you're turning a shortage into a severe shortage into there isn't any anywhere because no matter how scarce it is, you can still go out and pay a buck 50 a gallon and drive across the state and back as a joyride. Because the governor decided to institute price controls. That's the worst possible thing you could do when, when there's a hysteria and a run on something. It was Biden's energy czar that was like, this is why you should buy electric cars. <laughs> it's like, well, really? That's your comment on what's going on? You loon? I mean, well, there's I, a disconnect. I, I mean, there's a lot of electric car owners who are watching this and listening to my rant right now going, ha ha, out of gas, whatever. Yeah. Until the power goes out for a week and then they can charge well, their damn yeah, car. Yeah, but. I mean, you know, how often does the power go out for a week? Ask, ask Austin, ask, right, ask Texas, <laughs> ask, uh, ask anybody that or, an area has you know, been hit anybody, by a hurricane. Yeah. Anybody who's hit by any kind of hurricane or, or brutal weather or, or Californian regulators or, yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. It is absolutely nuts that, uh, one hoarding gasoline is a really bad idea. The price control makes a certain amount of sense. And, you know, if there's a gas station that's selling gas for 10 bucks a gallon and everybody else is at five bucks a gallon, well, then they're going to buy it at the five. Then so, don't go there. Right. That's you their, don't need price controls for that. You know, they're, they're, the gas stations could also just shut down. I mean, there's something to be said for just don't be a dick. When any of these shortages happen, if people start to hoard them, then people actually can't get them. And when it's things like food and water. That becomes and gasoline, I would suppose it becomes way more uh, intense 
And uh, don't don't be a dick is a fine message, but people are <laughs> it's hard to uh, no, no matter how much you browbeat and shame them into giving up their entire livelihoods in order to save the climate or something people are still inherently they they act with self-interest people will look out for themselves first and if if you convince them that their entire life is going to come to an end if they don't have a full tank of gas in their car right now and then you institute a price control that says oh also you um you won't even have to pay any extra money for it. Then people will make the very rational decision to be like, oh, well, there's a shortage coming up. I should go top up my tanks. And when everybody does that in mass, now you really do have a shortage. Even if even if it was just a little dip in supply, now it's a uh, it, it, it's a catastrophic drop in supply. There's none there. There's you know, you, you can't price control for lines. So that was where where the supply and demand curve went. And it was, you know, we, we were back to the seventies when people were waiting in line two, three hours yeah. to get a tank of gas. I remember and, that. And they I were mean, limited. You know, it wasn't even a tank. It was usually you're waiting in line to get like five bucks worth of gas. Yeah. And, and you know, and which, which by the way, again, uh, you know, controls like that, the, the supply and demand curve has to go somewhere else. So somebody will get five bucks worth of gas and be like, well, my tank holds five times that. So I'm just going to circle around, wait in line again. Right, make right. the lines longer it circle is, back it is human nature yeah people I, you, you you can you can try to browbeat people you can try to shame them you can, your your officials can say don't hoard all you want but if you set up the incentives such that the the price never goes up and the you, you make people believe that they absolutely have to have this now they are going to make the individually rational decision and, you know, the, the same one repeated hundreds and thousands of times, which is actually what causes the emergency you're trying to get around. If instead somebody and I know this is in, in, impossible with our current media, but if instead somebody had come out and said, hey, uh, we're uh, we're experiencing a, a little bit of a supply problem. So you might see some lines, you might see some gas stations that are out, but don't worry in a week, there will be more fuel. So if you don't have to drive, if you don't have to take a road trip right now, just go ahead and wait a week to get it. If they had approached it that way, then there wouldn't have been five hour lines. There wouldn't have been gas stations everywhere saying out. There wouldn't have been people charging the legal maximum. Um, you know, you might have had a couple places that were gouging saying, hey, I've only got 100 gallons of gas left in my tank or, you know, in in the underground tank here. And so I'm going to charge fifteen dollars a gallon for it because I can. Then some people would be like, I really need that gas. I'll pay it. And some people would be like, actually, I can stay home right now. Right. And that is the kind of decisions you want, because that is how the whole system can get back to normal. And it will. It will get. I mean, this is another one of these cases where. You have to learn from what happened and make sure it never happens again. And I hope whoever was running the IT for this pipeline. Uh, oh, no kidding. Got a whooping because. Uh, but this is where. No, they, they probably got some some time, you know, time off with full pay for a while is, you know, you, you need to reflect on what you've done. Well, and the question on they a the lot of these systems, why do you need to be connected to the Internet? as a whole 
That is what it always comes down to. Is it like so somebody can get information, you know, that they're too lazy? I, I have an answer to that one. OK, it's because you have uh, a, a lot of people at the top who want to, you know, especially when you have a CEO or somebody who wants to be able to micromanage the pipeline from their office. So this is a feature they ask for. And it's not always a CEO, but there's always going to be a desire to manage your infrastructure, especially some kind of really large distributed infrastructure uh, over a large geographic area. There is going to be a desire to have a single point of control of command and control where you have your, your home office or whatever, and you need to manage different parts of the pipeline. And so um, when you are setting that up, you look at the cost, you're like, okay, first of all, I need to create a control structure. Secondly, I need to create a remote unit that can be controlled, and then I have to have some way to connect them. But, hey, we can save a hell of a lot of money if that's some way to connect them is just the Internet. Right. And everybody will do that. And why run a fiber optic cable up the the thousand mile length of your pipeline when you can just go out to the public Internet? And really, I mean, as long as you don't broadcast your IP address Cool. No <laughs> hackers. <laughs> yeah, it turns the, out the next person who who manages to port scan the right computer. Yes. <laughs> and go, hey, what's this? Or, you know, again, we've talked all about the spear phishing and even the voice phishing now where you call up somebody in the company and, you know, you pretend you're the CEO and you ask for the information or you spear fish the person in charge of that technical aspect of the pipeline. And all of a sudden you have all the information that oh, you yeah. need. Uh, people are still falling for the oldest trick in the book where you just take a USB drive and you drop it on the ground just outside of their headquarters. And somebody is going to walk over, see the drive and be like, huh, I wonder who dropped this. It might be important. One of my coworkers might have dropped it. And then they'll put it in their system to right. see what's on it. And guess what? You're owned. Right. Or your system blows up. I love yeah. those USB drives. If I had unlimited money and really wanted to screw with people, because I think you can buy them online pre-made for like 50 bucks or something that well, pre-made with the, with the, the destructo wear on it. Yes. Well, it's, it's not destru- <laughs> it's uh, it's not software. It is well, usually usually it's just a backdoor to install a remote code execution and, and uh, you know, uh, some kind of a connect to a botnet or something. Well, see, no, that is the old fashioned if you want to hack into it but it was hack five or maybe even modern rogue had showed off one of these that there are the these little devices now that have a little electronic circuit inside of them that will take you know the five volts or whatever power coming in and step it up and multiply it and send it back into the system where you plug this in and within like a second you get and the whole heart the whole system is fried. oh oh i've heard it yeah the like I mean, there have been stuff that that causes physical damage to computers for a while. My understanding was, and the only one I've ever seen, my understanding was that it would fry your USB controller, but uh, you had to be have a pretty poorly made motherboard for it to do much worse. Now, the ones now seemingly can actually blow out the motherboards. Oh, and God. <laughs> it's like just nuke the whole system, which is, uh, yeah, short. That's uh, do the one. Says so just short the five volt to common, and uh, I guess that's just about as easy as well, it is. Short the five volt to common. Most motherboards can generally handle that because they need to be able to handle some, you know, somebody sticking a fork in the the USB port. Believe it or not, people understand that. <laughs> yes. But 
but when when you decide to use a, a, a step up capacitor or something yeah. to to send it to you know 150 volts that's a little most different. motherboards aren't designed for that no that's a little different so you have to i mean if you find a usb drive i mean sure it looks like maybe you want to be the good samaritan and try to get it back to who it belongs to or maybe you're just thinking oh hey it says it's a one terabyte usb these things are worth a lot of money and i just want to use it for myself boom you plug that yeah. thing in and uh, I, I mean honestly if you find one on the ground that it uh, from a a strict you know, i'm not talking about cost here but from a strict security perspective the only safe thing to do is destroy it yes do not what or, or give it to somebody else to plug into their computer well, you, you can give it to somebody you hate <laughs> yeah but but if that somebody is in your organization you might still be opening yourself up to be to a, a ransomware attack yeah remember the trojan horse the story Always remember that when you find something just laying on the ground that appears to be a little too good to believe, you might want to think about that. Uh, I do have a follow up of a story we had talked about in the oh, past. Oh, oh I, I'm sorry. I, I just um, I, I was looking at the troll room and I did have another thought. Really? One how, more? One of those USB things that blows out your hardware. Uh-huh. Don't plug it into the, the ports on the back or front of the computer. If you plug it into a USB hub, you will definitely fry the hub, but that signal won't go back to the computer. That's true. Yeah, that is true. So have a hub, have a spare hub. Yeah, maybe that's around. it. <laughs> that's the. Six. I mean, that doesn't help. That doesn't save you from uh, the thing installing a, a rootkit driver on your system and then connecting to a botnet and encrypting all your files. Right. But hey, it might at least save you some hardware. It's a partial USB condom. Just put it in a hub, and yes. it kind of protects you. But we had talked about how the government was buying a lot of information from third parties because, you know, totally legal to get your location data or whatever data they want. All that data that they're not legally allowed to collect, but they are legally allowed to buy from somebody else who's collecting it. Yes. And Vice just had an article, and I think they're just way behind us because it's uh, the headline was Pentagon surveilling Americans without warrant. Senator reveals it's like, OK, well, one reveals this is this is nothing new. Uh, I'm glad that there is a senator that is worried about what kind of data that they're using. The most interesting thing to me in this vice article came at the end where it said Senator Wyden is considering proposing a new piece of legislation called the Fourth Amendment is not for sale act, which, OK, so there's some marketing going on here. Uh, well, Wyden does this all the time. You know, Wyden's actually a pretty cool guy when it comes to Internet privacy. He is introducing bills all the damn time that Silicon Valley hates and trying to prevent companies from doing some really douchey things online. But he really likes the theatrics. Every bill that he has is is something like that. Yes. And it's, it's, I mean, this is marketed perfectly. And this bill, it says, would force some agencies to obtain a warrant for location and other data. I don't know why just some agencies, but uh, it's just some. The most interesting thing to me, though, were the list of sponsors for this legislation, which include Senator Rand Paul, who I would kind of, you know, I'd expect him to be more along the lines of being a privacy advocate, but it also includes Chuck Schumer. And I'm like, what? Chuck Schumer and uh, Rand Paul agree on anything? 
Well, now I want to read the bill and find out exactly what kind of defense spending or something is in there. Yeah, this uh, also Senator Mike Lee, Republican Utah, Senator Steve Daines, Republican Montana, Senator Edward Markey, Democrat Massachusetts, Senator Tammy Baldwin, Democrat Wisconsin, Elizabeth Warren, Senator uh, Democrat, obviously, Massachusetts. So there's a... uh, You know, Cory Booker's on the list. Bernie Sanders is on the list. Maisie Hirono's on the list. There's a lot of people on the list that I would never want to be associated with. So, yeah, I guess we do need to get the full. Which means I'm going to hold back my my approval of this. The the problem is and the reason why I really don't approve of pretty much anything Congress does is they will always sell you a bill saying this is to save this thing over here or do the you know contribute to this social cause and you read it and and five percent of the funds goes to the social cause and the other 95 percent goes to pork like gender programs in pakistan oh i thought you like barbecue and i was like damn i could use some ribs no unfortunately it's it's soured pork it's it's (laughs) spoiled it's got worms in it i don't want that congress is no the pork that comes from congress is not kosher (laughs) It's absolutely true. So we will be following this because I thought this was something quite interesting to have that kind of mix of people. And maybe it's it's good. Maybe we'll finally have a bill that both sides want sanity. But uh, that when does when was the last time that happened? It's been a long wanted sanity. It's been a while. Yeah. Got it. I don't know if it's ever happened. And I know that you and Carl mentioned because it was Monday. So nobody brought the what's going on in Chicago update. No, I did mention that I did. We were missing the update and I needed that from you. And you said I was going to bring it on Wednesday. Yes, which, yes, I did. Which I thought was interesting because, uh, you know, that's random thoughts day. R-E-N-D-U-M-B well, I'm sure thoughts. you did bring it on Wednesday, just maybe not to this show. Correct. And, you know, I definitely heard about it because this I brought a clip. It is uh, 27 seconds. This is. A guy getting in on my beat. And this is from Wednesday. The great Bill O'Reilly. So New York City got these tough gun laws. You can't carry in New York City. We'll get you if you have guns. They don't enforce it. They don't enforce the law. Same thing in Chicago. Hey, tough gun laws. Yeah, you can't come here with guns. And then when they find the guys with the guns, nothing happens to them. Want to know why violent crime is up? People are dying in the streets. Four-year-olds are getting shot. That's why Ugh. I love the uh, at the end. I think Bill's stealing our beat. Yeah. OK, so uh, is he saying that's why being that uh, that that there are bad law or that there are gun not, laws, not enforcement. Or that's why that that they're not enforced? Yes, the non-enforcement. I mean, we've talked about that since day one when it came to Chicago violence is we have some of the most very uh, the toughest, I guess, is the best word for it. Gun authoritarian. Laws. Yeah, we have the most unconstitutional, I think, is the word you're looking for. Those those all fit the gun laws in Chicago. But you know what happens if they pick up somebody with a gun? Nothing. They don't enforce them. But then they still sit around and go, well, we need more laws. Bullshit. Enforce the current ones that you have. But this is a great liberal ploy. To is this just, like the California thing where armed robbery of less than a thousand dollars and you don't get charged or something? Yeah, that's well, the same thing here now. So you okay. can walk in. I'm, there was I remember seeing a video of guys that were walking into a like a Marshall's or a store like that. 
and carrying out like $950 worth of coats. These were big guys like me. They were carrying out $950 worth of coats apiece because oh, yeah. they knew that was under the limit. Yeah, yeah. You'll you'll calculate, okay, I need to make sure that I get under the $1,000. And then even if the cops show up, I just get to walk home with my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful system. And you can have all it, the laws in the world if you don't enforce them. And the criminals know you're not going to enforce them. This is why people keep getting shot. This is why crime is running rampant. And as you pointed out, I think in the last show, uh, there's always a Democrat sitting in that mayor's seat in these cities. I don't know why that is. What what a coincidence. Yeah. I mean, what are the odds? You would think they'd be very high if there wasn't a reason for it. But it seems like there is. It seems like there is. And that's why things aren't changing. If you would just enforce the laws you would have much more sanity. The I saw a stat the other day so, that 200. So, wait, wait, wait. You, you, you need to give how many people got shot over the weekend, though. Well, I thought we'd wait till Monday for that. I mean, this this has but, been like but, a whole well, week. Are we going to are we going to roll both weekends together? <laughs> Should we? I mean, I, I mean, people who I, I think a lot of people tune out of of the show on Monday because they weren't going to find out how many people got shot in Chicago. Well, I don't have the information from the past weekend, but here's what I can tell you by pulling up one of my favorite sites. Hey, jackass.com, which is the current week in progress. So today is the 14th. So from Sunday to today in Chicago, seven shot and killed, 51 shot and wounded. Now, May to date, 19 shot and killed, 123 shot and wounded. And more updates on this story as they develop. Yes, I'll even give you a year to date in Chicago. Shot and killed, 206. Shot and wounded, 983. Total shot, 1,189. Total homicides in Chicago this year, 221. Woo! Damn. I, it, it's a surprise anyone's still alive in that city. According to the clock they have here on the website, a person this year in Chicago has been murdered every 14 hours and 27 minutes. Somebody else murdered. (laughs) Yes. Go murders. So another segment that we missed on the last show, and uh, I I, I very much regret this, but uh, we didn't thank any experts on Monday. Yeah, well, see, I forgot to send them to you and you forgot to ask for them. So it all kind of works yes. out into well, a, uh, I, I did ask for them when I was live on the show, which was <laughs> probably a little too late to have done the prerequisite work. Yeah, it was a little late and uh, I wasn't around when the show started. I got home before it ended. So I tuned in for the end and trolled a little bit in the troll room. It was always fun. I was trying to get booted, but nobody booted me. And uh, well, you're a moderator. Take care of that yourself. <laughs> That's right. You could just kick yourself now. Thank you very much. But we do have some experts to thank for today's show, including two executive producers. First and foremost on the list is a lady of many names who came in with a Bitcoin donation, which we do appreciate. And it came in with a point zero zero one zero five two Bitcoin, which when it came in, was worth $60.17, but today, $53.59, which is why crypto, we've talked about this. Buy the dip. Yeah, you got to buy the dip. And we've talked about the fact that this is why people can't really buy stuff 
with crypto because by the time the money gets from one place to another, it's worth a different amount. But it is from a, a longtime expert, Dame Jay of the Angry Clouds, who sent in a little note which said, uh, I'm out of bathroom related usernames. I'm also out of patience with Patreon. Both of those things. Well, OK, I understand the Patreon thing a little bit more, but there's a lot of bathroom related usernames. I'm sure the trolls could uh, come well, up. I'm, with I'm a- not going to assume that we're the only ones she's used bathroom related <laughs> usernames with. That's true. Uh, she said, I sent in the Bitcoin that you can consider a Cardano and or microphone fund. We always put them towards something. Sadly, without a bidet fund, Ryan will never know the joy of a heated seat in a power washed undercarriage. Such is life. So I don't I mean, I <laughs> was thinking that when I finally decided to go, decide to go full Kaczynski and go build myself a cabin in the woods, which is going to be pretty tough with the lumber prices going on. But uh I'm going to have like there will be no electricity and, uh, you know, the only running water will be the bidet because that has to happen anyway. Don't bidets need electricity or is this something that you can probably just uh, I don't know. I'm sure I can make it solar powered or something. That would be fantastic. Put up a wind turbine or something. I don't know. So you can only have a clean ass when the wind's blowing. That doesn't seem very. Well, obviously, I would have to move somewhere where the wind is always blowing, (laughs) you know, Wyoming, where. You have to duck every once in a while for a train to go overhead. Well, just live somewhere next to a stream. That way you can get hydroelectric. You can just put your own little uh, little paddle get a wheel in. Hose. Yeah. Ooh, that's it's a good idea, isn't it? Give yes. You, give you power. Although uh, it, it, living off the grid and, and I know this because when I was young, we actually had a private well and we were not on a, a plumbing grid. We were not on the plumbing network, the municipal um, which, by the way, was great because I didn't have fluoride in my water. That might explain why I'm so cranky these days. Or, or you're not but, docile enough. That could be. That yeah, I, that, you I, that's what I'm thinking is, you know, maybe I didn't get all the docile meds in my water when I was a kid. But uh, the problem is any time that we had a bad storm and the power went out, uh, we also lost the water pump, which meant that, you know, there'd be things like, uh, uh, hey, power's out. Don't flush any toilets right now. <laughs> right. Right, you because can't if refill. you flush the toilet, the water doesn't come back. Right. And a lot of people don't realize then if you don't have water in the bottom of the toilet, the the lines from your toilet into the sewer are not filled with water. There's a lot of air in there. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> air in quotes. Yeah. And if you let that if you let the little water barrier at the bottom of the toilet disappear, you're going to get some better smells than you can even oh, imagine yeah. well not 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 just that it doesn't just smell bad that stuff will poison you it will make you sick yay keep Those water gases are not fun stuff keep water in your toilet this is just another public service announcement from the grumpy old ben show but she signs it sincerely dame J of the angry clouds aka airport pooper aka rabbit of carbong and then in parentheses monty python bunny i yeah i did know that i believe and a.k.a. Bemrose's Bidet Fund, which is still my favorite name out of all of those. And uh, I have no name points out that the cheapo bidets just use normal water pressure. But the good stuff, those need power. And I don't know if I, I don't know. Want- I was I was thinking Net Ned's idea of the garden hose. That was the cheapo bidet. <laughs> just point. Yeah, just uh, just a little cold. Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends where you live that uh, that could get a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> I I live north of 48 degrees. Uh, it's a little cold. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you probably want the one 
that's powered, although I'm not too sure how you want to mix power and water. Those don't normally mix that are just inches away well, from some. You, you very... don't want to run the power through the water that's hitting you in the butthole. That's a totally <laughs> different kind of treatment. It's a different kind of colonoscopy that you got going yeah. on there. Uh, it, it, line voltage against your anal sphincter is, uh, it, it, I mean, you you want to have to have a colonoscopy. That might be the way to do it. <laughs> It'll wake you up in the morning. Let me tell you. Also, no kink shaming here. No, not at all. If anybody's into that, feel free to call Hog Story and let them know. Hogstory.net. Get the number. Coming in at $50 is Displaced Citizen, who sent in a little note, says, I'm not a dude named Ben, so here is a little treasure for your info and keeping me current on what's going on in the Ben world. You too, Ben Rose. So I don't know. What what, to, me too what? I think, uh, I think he was uh, just like, yeah, okay. You, he was, I think he was just saying nice things about me. Like, thanks for your info and keeping me current on what's going on in the well, world. No, I, oh, I know what it is. It was thanks for your info because he actually hacked your computer. Oh, that And he's be. saying thanks for your info. <laughs> oh, also, thanks, Bemrose. Yeah. And you too, Bemrose. I mean, I, I, it could be taken either way. It could be like, you know, really happy. This is where, you know, kind of like the memes. This is where in the troll room or any text based thing going on in social media. You don't know if that's like a very happy, oh, yeah, and you too, Bemrose, love you, man. Or if it's like, yeah, and you too, Bemrose, you know, with disdain, just dripping while it's said. So, I mean, he could just play citizen. I mean, feel free to let us know if that was meant as a, I really like Bemrose, or if there was a lot of disdain or something behind hatred behind that. We hope not, because you bring a lot to the show. And I, I do have to ask, uh, the last show, number 159 was the first show that I wasn't on. So that also meant you produced it completely yourself. How was the experience? Was it easier or harder than you thought it would be? Um, I I don't think I expected that I would have to take six hours to do the whole thing. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, I genuinely don't thank you enough for the amount of effort that you put in to post-processing our show to make it look good. And I, I know I don't thank you enough and I'm not about to start now. So let's drop that. But <laughs> it, it, I definitely was not, uh, like, I, I know that it gets easier. Um, I didn't even go through, you know, a lot of people will pick through and listen and pick, you know, and, and go all, all of the, um, you know, every second of it and try to edit and remove things that uh, I, I didn't have the energy for that. I just loaded it up in audacity and told, you know, I, I asked you cause you were already back. I said, uh, Hey, what, what filters do I run? What? And it, you gave me your pointers and, and thank you for that. And I ran the, the compressed silence filter and I, I ran a compressor over it because Carl's channel was way, way hotter <laughs> than mine. Carl and does talk really loud. I I don't. Well, first of all, I don't think he, he uses a compressor because <laughs> he, he uses it uh, on Discord. It's the same thing. He's often really, really loudly modulated on Discord. But his uh, his podcast sounds fine. So obviously he does it in post. But anyway, I ran the compressor and then I went through and I had to do a couple needle drops because I don't I don't have Abel Kirby's pedal where I can just pick when things happen and uh, to get the the show title and the uh, clean uh, the cold open. And uh, the only other thing that I had to do, of course, was remove the couple times when I accidentally muted myself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I thought it sounded good. Uh, I mean, I did kind of enjoy the 
well, how do we convert this to MP3? What's the wait that didn't work? What's going on? And uh, yeah, that happens every now and then. I don't know. Oh, oh, my gosh. Well, no, because you apparently are the the website that we use is is straight out of of 1994. Yeah, WordPress. Um, You use FTP to upload, which is the only place that I use FTP anywhere in the 21st century. And I tried to upload it the first time I uploaded. I forgot to send the binary command or to to switch the mode to binary. (laughs) Right. And it uploaded as ASCII, which changed every, uh, you know, every OX 13 into an OX 13, OX 10 or whatever. You know, it, it, it changed everything that it interpreted as a line feed, which this is binary data. These are audio samples, but it went ahead and just added random bytes to try to fix the line feeds in ASCII. And I remember like I played it here and then I uploaded it to the website and I got everything posted. I'm like, great, it's done. And I'll just for shits and giggles, I'll click the play button to make sure it works. And it sounded horrible. It was badly garbled. I'm like, I don't know what happened. Help. And I retraced my steps and I finally went, wait a minute. Does FTP try to mangle the, you know, yeah. I'm guessing because we use, and this is why our buddy Midas from the Fun Fact Friday said he's going back to hand coding the stuff, which I think is insane. Wait, he's hand coding the MP3s? The RSS feed and oh. the whole website behind it. I mean, he could probably hand code the uh, MP3 too. That would take a little extra time. Yeah, just open it up in a hex editor. Yeah, you'd have to be really good at it. But I'm guessing it may be due to the fact that the plugin that we use is made by blueberry and they do offer podcast hosting and i'm assuming this is just a way for them to push you to do their hosting because there's no reason why there can't be an upload there and just choose the mp3 and upload that which is why we have to go through the extra step of just putting the url of where the mp3 exists so that does make us use the fp ftp protocol but it's easy enough to do that uh, and everything else just kind of works except for now i've noticed how much their app or whatever the plugin updates because now that we've added our uh, value tag to it which i mean nobody used in the last week so fuck that maybe get you rid of it um you have to manually edit the rss feed so I have to now I have set on random thoughts in grumpy old Ben's the blueberry app plugin for WordPress, not to automatically update. Cause if it were to automatically update, it would overwrite the RSS feed, which I had to manually hack well, to add the value tag. That sounds like somebody needs to hack the plugin. Yes. Which is I'll, uh, I'll go in and see if I can put some ransomware in there. We just need to right, and add some crypto mining and stuff like that. And it'll yes. all, it'll all just work out. Well, Anyways, aside from some some hiccups and any, you know, because I didn't announce when I uploaded it uh, and got it wrong, uh, you're you might there might be somebody who was, you know, frantically slamming the refresh button on the feed. But uh, otherwise, the the only evidence that I screwed it up badly was in in the back channel with you where I'm like, help. I don't know what happened. What did I do wrong? Why is this not working? And then you didn't respond in 10 minutes later. Okay. I think I fixed it. <laughs> it was seamless. Nobody noticed. It, so it nobody happens. noticed and nobody would have known if you hadn't put up it, highlighted it on this show. Well, so I was just asking. That. I was just asking how you liked the other side of that, because the, the thing I hate most 
about doing grumpy old bands and random thoughts is the adding it to WordPress and adding the show notes and adding the, you know, and making them all into links and bolding all of the titles in the show notes and, you know, doing all just that busy work because, you know, it takes about 10 minutes, which I know doesn't seem like a lot, but you just well, want to when, when you've done that 10 minutes twice a week for a year, it heads up. Yeah, it, it feels like a lot. And it's like, I just want to get I, this, this show sounds out like there. an opportunity for an app. Yeah, there's always an opportunity for a new app. But we do have some other experts to thank coming in at the associate executive producer level, which is anything under $50. I mean, we're not no agenda. See, under for no, oh, no agenda, anything under 50, they just don't even mention. We'll mention you no matter what, unless you tell us not to. So if you don't want your name mentioned, make sure you let us know. Uh, Sir Don of Heart comes in with $32.10 and a note that said listening for a few weeks. Great show. So maybe he's listening to something else and he this he meant this for somebody else. I'm not sure. But I always we, get a tingly feeling when we hear about new experts. Yes, we know new people are finding the show and checking it out. And we rely on all of you listening right now to tell a friend about the show. I was talking about podcasting last night with our buddy Progo on his computer club out there in New York. And it was just all about podcasting. And it's like there is no magical way to grow an audience on podcasts. It is all based upon getting a handful of people to be interested and listen and interact with your show. And then it's like that stupid shampoo commercial from back in the 70s or 80s. And like, and they tell two friends and they two tell two friends and they tell two friends. And that's how a podcast grows. So we rely on you, everybody. That is helping produce the show to uh, to do some marketing. Yay. We'll put you to yes. work. Tell, tell people how cranky and unreasonable we are. <laughs> yes. If you, you won't believe how dumb these guys yeah. are. Check, check these guys out. They can't even figure out how Wi-Fi works. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is like magic. Yes, it is. How does this work? I don't know. It is. You plug in this thing over here and suddenly your phone works. Or it doesn't, or there's somebody in the or middle. Or it doesn't. And, the, it's and that, be- that's how most most modern marvels of magic work. You you plug in a thing, and you turn it on, and it works. Or sometimes it doesn't. Yes, and then you call tech support. There are those. There are two if, types. If of, there are two types of people in the world: those that call tech support and those that don't. And I think I know what ninety nine point nine percent of the people listening to this show are. But coming in at twenty bucks. Our buddy Thomas Starkweather. Isn't that Melodious Owls? That is. That is. Yes. Sir Tom Starkweather, Melodious Owls. I. Ah. No Sorry. notes. No jingles. Not that we have any. But uh, so he comes in with 20. We well, appreciate it, that. We, we don't know. We don't know what it was he had on his mind when he made this donation. But he's an expert and we have to respect that. But if you do have a message for us, then go ahead and go on Hog Story again, because I really like that episode. Yeah. And. uh and, and just leave a message. We'll hear it. Coming in next on the list, which was a $17.96 donation when it happened, but now only a $16.81 donation because it is a the .00033 Bitcoin donation, which is the comic strip blogger donation. And it is from the comic strip blogger who asked me to relentlessly pimp his website, comicstripblog.com where he has all of his doodles and yes. fun stuff going on. He, 
absolute best of MS Paint comics. <laughs> but it works. I like the simplicity of it. And you you like him because you you seem to be the subject of most of his comics these days. Well, not not all, but some definitely, which are funny. And he pisses people off with his comics, which I can appreciate. And, oh yes, uh, yes, I definitely respect that. He hits the third rail every now and then, and uh, that's good. I mean, you want to get people thinking, which is you know what I hope we do on this show, and a lot of it is played up. And we've talked about some of the, uh, you know, the social media awards that I've been in. And you're like, why do you do that? And I'm like, well, I just think it's fun. And I think it's fun when people think I'm getting mad. And and when it really comes down to it, it's like, I'm just kind of like laughing here. But uh, it, it's just a, uh, as Harry Hamster would say, it's all an act. He said, I'm way too nice and should really, really just dump you. Because Harry, he does not like you. you- he really doesn't understand how this show dynamic works, does it? No, a lot of not, I don't even know if we know how this show's dynamic. No, works. no, I don't understand it either. I've got no clue. <laughs> but you know, the, the trick is if it's working, don't mess with it. That's the the first thing that any good IT person understands. Yes, don't go tinkering around with the code if it's working. That's the worst thing. It's like usually a programmer will come in like, "Hey, I've optimized the code," and people are like. Wait, why did uh, why did ninety yeah. percent of our user base just disappear? Oh, yeah, you want to you want to see an entire room full of dude named Ben's drop loads? You just walk in and be like, "Hey, I optimized our production code last night." <laughs> like, yeah, that's, horrified face. Yeah, the looks of death that would go around that room. But I think people should check out comicstriplog.com. It's there's funny stuff there, and even if you don't like it, then just tell comicstriplogger you don't like it, and that's fine. Coming in at 15 bucks, Linda Sarunian, who I believe's come in before as an expert. Coming in at 10 bucks, who I know has come in as an expert before, are both Keith Von Dyke and Steve E. And we appreciate those guys for being monthly donors. That keeps the grumpy old Ben's grumpy. Also, a monthly donor coming in at five bucks, the aforementioned Metis of the Fun Fact Friday show, the most wholesome show you'll ever hear where Metis's daughter is usually the one schooling him and and of of Metis pod which is uh really quite an entertaining i i went in i i had listened to i think two episodes before but i went through because i was really bored the other day and uh grabbed his entire archive which i think is only 12 episodes on uh antenna pod and listened through um guy's actually really good when he's reading him and i would like more of those and it's always a a race to see how often they're going to come out but uh apparently the last time when i when i mentioned that Metis pod came out almost as often as maps with matt that he said that lit a fire under his ass and he started getting two more in the can right away it's like i got to do a little bit more but i mean i don't know so um for everybody out there who who enjoys me this pod or hasn't listened to it, but you know, you're going to enjoy it anyway. Uh, you're welcome for uh, convincing him to start putting them out again. So basically what you're saying is this is a commercial from Ryan Bemrose would go something like, Hey, if you're really, really bored and can't find anything else to listen to me, this pod is what you should be checking out. Yes. I'm such a great marketer. Have you noticed that? <laughs> I, no. No, I have not. We have to get. That's why I wanted you on a show with Carl. I thought he might impart some of that wisdom that he has as a professional marketer on you. But I don't know if that happened. Uh, We do have Brian Hall also to thank who came in at two dollars and ninety three cents. We do work on the value for value model, which means we put these shows out there for free. 
You can listen to them. If you got value from them, figure out how much that is. Put that into a number that means something to you, as the podfather Adam Curry says, and go to grumpyoldbens.com slash donate. Click that donate button. Use the P.O. Box address or one of the crypto addresses to get the value back to us here at Grumpy Old Benz. And I enjoyed the conversation that you and Carl had, especially talking about the Amazon thing, because it's something that I've harped on for a long time. And it's amazing to me that it was it was such an open secret. It's something that everybody who's paying attention has known damn well they were doing, but they just said, oh, we don't do that and offered no proof. And this this goes back years because I was up until the point that was right when my eye surgeries happened. So this is like four and a half years ago now. Up until that point, Amazon allowed companies to give free products to people out in the open as long as those reviews were then tagged. Hey, I got this for free. And I thought that was a system that worked really well. Now, what happened when they changed that and said, as Amazon, we will no longer allow this. It took about a day, if that, for the people that wanted reviews to figure out, you buy it and we'll just send you the money via PayPal. So nobody at Amazon can prove that you're getting this for free. It'll look to Amazon like you purchased it. And and we didn't. We didn't necessarily have much proof out there, but but somebody left their Elasticsearch wide open. And if you want the details on this, go ahead and listen to uh, episode 159. But yeah, somebody left their database wide open with all of this evidence of people doing exactly that. And I have emails still daily. I have not done an Amazon review for a free product in over four and a half years daily. Still get the emails for people wanting product will pay you via paypal one of them i was considering the other day the first one in a long time was uh, one that had an indiegogo that was selling a device it was like a few hundred bucks which was two external like monitors that would clip on to your laptop and then give you like three monitors and it was uh you know it looked like a pretty damn good system they'd raised over i think a million bucks on indiegogo and i'm like that might be something i would like to uh to do a review on but yes this is a very badly kept secret that there are people being paid for reviews on amazon and i just like to point out amazon created the problem themselves because they gave in to all the stupid whiny little bitches that were like "Eh, why do people get stuff for free but it was an open system and it had to be marked as free. But that just made people so mad that Amazon pulled the plug on yeah. that, but caused an underground, which was 10 times harder to figure out where the fake reviews are. How dare people exchange money, goods and services for things of value? Yeah. And do a good review. They? I mean, Andrew uh, over at the uh, podcastage on YouTube, where he does all the microphone reviews and that talks about how many hours it takes to do a good review. And some products are easier than others. But getting a free product to do a review is not all it's cracked up to be. If it's going to take you an hour or two to test it and then a yeah. half hour to, re, you know, to type out a the, review the, or do the a reviews video. Don't, the reviews don't just pop out of nothing as soon as the moment the product arrives. And if, if you're going to do anything that that's useful, not just a, 
I'm going to film myself opening the box, right. then yeah. it takes time. It takes effort. You have to use it. You have to, to come up, you know, come up with what your opinion is on it. You have to, to speak that in the microphone. You have to go back and, and edit, make sure that you cover all of your flubs where you said inauguration or something. Right. And it takes time. It takes effort. That is actually something of value. And that was a system that was existing on Amazon. I mean, I was up where they used, I think they still rate the reviewers. And uh, at one point I was up to, I think in the low uh, or high 200s, like 289 or something like that out of millions of people uh, was within the top few hundred, which means I was on every one of these lists. And and you had plans to bump off the other 288. Right. I mean, it was always that was, you know, kind of like the same thing with podcasts. You just kept wanting to see how high you can make the ranking. That was kind of the the deal. And, you know, it's fun to get free stuff. But I talked about that when it comes to like crappy headphones. It's like I've got more pairs of good headphones than I can ever use. So somebody sending me a crappy pair. I'm not going to give them a five star review because why would I? But people, uh, there's there's people that's it's kind of like a lot of this stuff uh, we talk. I about. mean, it, 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 judging by the story we brought last last week about Amazon, the the reason you would give them a five star review for crappy headphones would be because they're paying you a lot of money. Well, there's yeah. Well, there's usually people aren't getting money to do this. A vast majority are just getting the product uh, for free. Yeah, it looked like in this case it was it it was for a free product. But I would not be surprised in the least if there are people who are. Because, you know, uh, high, uh, being highly placed on Amazon is worth a lot of money to a yes. brand. Yes, and, and I've been offered money. I mean, but it usually yeah, comes down I, I, to like 10 or 20 bucks if you'll do a video, which yeah. the intriguing thing is I noticed on Amazon the other day. I don't know how long this system has been around, but Amazon is now asking people to do video reviews on products. And it looks like it's kind of like an affiliate thing where. If people watch your video and then buy, Amazon will give you a cut. So now Amazon is the one incentivizing people to do the reviews rather than the people making the product, which I don't know if that's really a difference to most people that, uh, you know, maybe they feel like that's a more fair way. But the reality is, if Amazon is telling me, you know, we're selling this Bemrose widget, and if you do a video and people buy after they watch the video, we'll pay you. Well, then even if the Pemrose widget sucks, I'm going to be like, this is awesome. You want to try this. It uh, is. So, it's, it's just so easy to screw with these systems that I think it's kind of funny. Oh, yeah. I, and screwing with systems is a thing we do. Do you happen to have a, Vi- a Vizio TV? I do not. I only uh, have an I, old uh, um, Samsung. I think I've got a Sony downstairs. It has its own slate of problems, but uh it seems to be generally known pretty well that, that these days the best uh, bang for your buck in buying a big screen TV is Vizio. And uh, I think we finally figured out why. Um, well, that's a, Vizio, like that a big Costco brand, if I'm not wrong. Uh, I, I think they, they were big in Costco for a while. I, I don't know if they are now. I don't I haven't been in Costco in a year. Um, but Vizio uh, IPO'd in March. And uh, they have released their first public earnings report. And uh, the one of the most notable things on here is um, they made forty eight million dollars in profit on selling hardware, which is up seven percent year over year. They made thirty eight million dollars in profit from selling user data, which is up one hundred thirty three percent year over year. Nice. So now we know why their TVs are cheap. 
Yes, it's all about your data. And uh, that's not changing anytime soon, which is why it is vital with all of these devices to learn how to use VPNs, have a device like the Winston, whether you buy one or roll one on your own. If you can possibly get away with it, your smart TV doesn't need to talk to the Internet. Well, it does if you're see, and most people, if they buy a smart TV, they want it to stream Netflix and Hulu. Yeah. So, it, so that's the, and, there's and the, it's rub. Got the, the the Netflix and the Hulu and the Spotify app built in. Yes, there's the rub because then you do plug it in and you want it to be plugged in and you don't even think about all the data that's being collected and sent out. Yes. So uh, according to uh, a different uh, article that, that it was linked to, um, they have a service called SmartCast which collects user data, delivers advertising, and also gives Vizio a cut of subscription sales to other services made through the platform like Netflix and like Hulu. Um, it will collect uh, information such as your, uh, your geolocated IP. It will collect your viewing times. It will tell when you turn the TV on and when you turn it off. It will t- sh- uh, tell which app you're watching and if the app subscribes to it through the api it will also tell what you're watching uh including details like when you started it when you paused it at what point in the show uh when you you know when you continued whether or not you finished it um i I don't think that vizio tvs are quite advanced enough to tell how many people were watching or whether someone's in the room although some ever come with a camera on the front right that's exactly it and the cameras can often tell what uh, gender well yes i mean you can't know but they're looking for how many people and you can guess age you can guess gender does it have a drop down with like 70 entries probably <laughs> it's like what is, oh, you know it might even ask you like oh you look interesting yes. What yes. Gender? which gender do you identify as today <laughs> yes yes and that could change every day and see that's another way you could screw with them just change that on a daily basis but there is a lot of data there and it's very important and podcasters would love this kind of data that if you know they're like with no agenda in their donation segments or ours with the donation. Well, do people skip that? How many people listen? How many people skip that? How many people tune out at the 20 minute mark? How many people tune out at the 40 minute mark? It is some really cool data to have. But when you realize how it's being collected, you might not want to be a part of that system. Or maybe you do. Maybe you don't care. I, I don't. And uh, that's why my TV doesn't get Internet. But Why? I also I, I also watch Netflix on my desktop, which is locked down through the pie hole different ways. But well, they're still uh, yeah. they can still tell what yeah. you're watching. And- well, I mean, there, there's a limit to how much I can limit myself. If I want to watch something on Netflix, then Netflix knows what I was watching and when I was watching it and when I paused it and when I got up to go to the bathroom, because they're the ones sending the data. Yes. Yeah. There's nothing but, you can do, which is why when we talked about YouTube getting you know when you're trying to get rid of the ads on youtube that's really hard to do because they're streaming the ads from the same place they're streaming the content from so it becomes a uh becomes a little bit harder to do yep so yeah you're uh if you got a really cheap smart tv that plugs into the internet maybe now you know why <laughs> hey you are the product they're finding yes. out a lot of good stuff about you though so that's important you can ask them yes that that information is extremely valuable to the people who want to sell you things and to the people who are making programs, you know, and, and I mean, 
you might not think this is creepy. I'm, I'm not sure I do, but uh, people like Netflix and Amazon do use that data, the, the very specific data about what you like, what you watch, not only to feed the algorithm to, to determine which things to pop up on your front page, which does, in fact, make it, it make it a little bit better. I mean, it shows, you know, when I when I log in, I see one set of things when my wife logs in, she sees something else because it's trying to show you things that it thinks you might be interested in. The algos aren't that bad, uh, but, you know, the the other thing that they're doing is they're using that data to say, OK, well, we have statistics that says, you know, six million people in this demographic went and watched these three horror flicks. So Netflix uses that data to go decide that they're going to go manufacture and, and you know, pay some producers to make 12 more shitty horror flicks because, hey, right. they're selling or whatever right. they are. Yeah, copy what we're doing because that's what people like. And I wonder with the the Vizio, do they give you a opportunity? You know, at least companies like the big bad Google and Apple, I believe, give you the ability to download all of your data, delete all of your data, see what kind of data has been collected. I wonder if the Vizio does, if there's a... I uh, doubt it. For one thing, I don't think that Vizio has publicly acknowledged that they're doing this yet. Um, this information was gleaned from a the earnings report oh well i guess if you have a vizio tv you really want to invest in a raspberry pi unless you have another computer laying around that you can put linux on build a pie hole and block all that stuff that's the best thing you can do for your sanity it is a pain every now and then especially if you're shopping for something because you can't click on any of those links if you do a search for you know a microphone or a certain pair of headphones and the first things that all come up are all advertising they're usually going to send you to best buy or amazon or something like that but quite often those links don't work because they're affiliate links and the pie hole blocks them so uh you know yeah you gotta understand what it's doing and what it's protecting you from but when a company that is selling you a tv and i'm sure everybody opted in for this because while you're setting up the television I'm sure there was like 14 pages of stuff that came on the screen that said, hey, click here to accept our terms of service. Well, I'm certain that there was one page that said, click here to accept our terms of service. And then a probably a a page that had the top two paragraphs of the terms of service and a scroll bar. And the only way to scroll would be with your remote. And if you hold the down button, you could probably scroll to the end within a half hour. I was and, thinking a half second, but a half hour is a little, a little. Well, I, I mean, if you if they scroll at the speed it would take to read the the terms of service on some of these services are in fact outrageous, and and I have seen UIs that are so awful that it it'll pop up and it'll have the whole terms of service in there, but it takes forever to scroll through. There's no mouse; you can't just grab the scroll bar and and pan through. You have to hit the up and down buttons on the controller. These these UIs do exist. And then, of course, the most obvious one is just hit OK to accept. Right, right. And that's what everybody does, which is what everybody does. And nobody is going to read the damn thing because it's such a pain in the ass to read our buddy. And I'm sure that in there they have permission to do all those things. Yeah. Our buddy weed tax says our Vizio is in the garage and only used for naked treadmill workouts. So he obviously is doing it right. 
I don't know. We, we text. Do you have a live stream? Because I know some people who might be interested. That's what Vizio's like. No, abort. No, dude, break the connection. Dude, the like, Mac address what, yeah, blocked. When, when the technicians start to regret putting that camera on the front. <laughs> hey, they get what they deserve. They do. Oh, you got anything else? Uh, the only other thing I have is a story from nine to five Mac, which cites an analysis from the firm app figures, which, uh, will list the top apps from, uh, downloaded since May of 2020. So the last Uh, year, more or less. Yeah. In the last, yeah. 12 months, I guess. Um, I bet you can guess what those apps are of the most downloaded apps. And this is from the, the Mac, uh, for the for their well, it's, uh, it's from nine to five Mac, but they did analysis. They did separate analysis from both uh, uh, iOS and Android. Okay, but for the most part, the top apps were the same in both platforms. Were they Zoom? No, I would think it would be something people are working from home. Uh, so it's either something in the stream video, or uh, you are correct. Okay, so it's number two, one is so it's either Netflix or Hulu. Oh no 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 not that kind of video. Oh. It's it's a little more risque. No, no, no. The top app is TikTok. Oh, yeah. Social media then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the second app is also social media. It's Instagram. Oh, but there's an Instagram for kids coming. Nothing to worry the, about there. The third app uh, is also social media. It's WhatsApp. That's I see a trend. A lot of people yeah. want to be social. <laughs> Let's get social. Um, the the real big. Uh, takeaway from this one is, was the Facebook app, which dropped number four on the list. And more importantly, uh, the downloads for the Facebook app are down 30% in the last 12 months. Yeah, Facebook's and dying, I think. 30% is pretty rough. I mean, you know, if, if Instagram and WhatsApp are in the top three, they're not dying that much. But uh, but Facebook service itself, uh, I think it's starting to fall out of favor. Cause that I, um, well, TikTok the, uh, people love them. The TikTok, the Chinese the, should get all your data. The app figures guy said that he says that the reason Facebook is down is because of the rise of TikTok. I don't know if it's quite that simplistic, but I bet it contributed. Uh, the nine to five Mac guy said that the reason it was down was because of iOS 14 and the, uh, no, I don't really want you to track me button. Interesting. Oh, but, that's kind of, although that's so new. I don't know if I can. Yeah, uh, that one's only been out a few months, so I don't know if it counts for the, either way, uh, nobody seems to have any idea because this is, this is analytics and not, uh, you know, uh, an official statement by anyone. But, uh, and nine to five Max says privacy. And, uh, I believe that contributed. I think that, that, uh, there are a number of people who think that Facebook is just not worth it and starting to wake up to, Maybe this privacy thing is something we care about, but they think TikTok is okay. I don't think that's most of them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If I had to take a guess, and you know, my guess is being as wild as they are, I would say that people are just moving off of the platform because there are other platforms out there that all their friends are on. Yes, and TikTok is a big one. Sir Spud the Mighty said the kids all moved from Facebook to Instagram. I believe that's true, but they've now moved off of Instagram as well. I read something the other day that Instagram now within you know, like high school, college age and under is almost nil. That's all going, I guess, to TikTok. This is the this is the cycle of life that new apps come out and people flock to them and they think the other ones, you know, this oh Instagram, that's your parents uh, photo app. 
or whatever it may be. But uh, all the socials so, are pretty much uh, garbage. I did think it was funny. So I'll, I'll just drop the prediction here uh, that within the next six months, Facebook is going to buy TikTok. Hmm. I don't see. I don't know. TikTok didn't want to sell when they were getting uh, pressured for a whole lot of money. But I get you know what? Facebook yeah, has but the Facebook money has to more than money. Facebook knows where the <laughs> skeletons are. That's true. That is true. I thought it was interesting on uh, Bandrew's latest show, Bandrew, the Bandrew Says podcast, talking about a Facebook guy who had, I think it was a guitar channel that was pwned because of, and he didn't actually, he didn't know if this was the case with this guy. This was speculation because it has happened to other large channels, which was, here's how this scam works. You have a big YouTube channel. Somebody contacts you and they say, hey, you know, Bemrose, love your YouTube channel. I have a VPN that I would love to sponsor your show. I want to give you like a thousand bucks a week for you to just, you know, to pimp my VPN before and after your videos. But, you know, to be fair, I need you to check it out and use it first. So oh, here, boy. here's an account and check it out. And then, you know, talk to me in like a week. And when the people install the VPN. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you can only imagine what this is doing. And people are falling for it. And of course uh, they are yeah. people. A lot of critical thinking skills go out the window when you get dollar signs in your eyes. Yeah. So it turns out, you know, their YouTube channels, all their videos are getting deleted and different content is being uploaded. And, uh, you know, all Nothing sorts of value was lost. Yeah. All sorts of bad things happen. You can uh, if you see a gift horse, yeah. kick it a few times and make sure. Oh, it's- and, and I, I, I want to. Just point out because I have seen so many creators when when I see people you know upload uh, mods for games where on on places where I look or, uh, I, you see so many stories where somebody's like uh, you know oh I'm sorry but uh, you know I lost my password and now I can't get at the the mod that I uploaded keep backups what the hell <laughs> back up. if you upload all your videos and suddenly your account gets hacked or shut down or something and you don't have access to your videos it's because you didn't keep them on a NAS. Yes. Back up everything. Do not rely on any one point of failure, no matter what it is. And if you are a creator yeah. and all of a sudden some shady sounding VPN company is like, hey, we want to sponsor you, kid. Think about it. Yeah. And and whether you're whether you're a YouTuber or you're an IT guy for a critical infrastructure pipeline, keep backups of all your critical systems. Those are some very wise words. And always tune in to Grumpy Old Ben's for the latest information. We do this show now twice a week on Mondays and Fridays at noon Eastern time live on the No Agenda stream, which you can get to by going to GrumpyOldBen's.com. There's a little player or you can go to NoAgendaStream.com. Join in the fun in the troll room. Tell us why we're wrong. It's okay. We might uh, yell back. We might kick you every now and then, but it's just, you know, kicking shows love. Just, just point and laugh. Right. Pointing and laughing always works as well. But we will be back on Monday. That's a threat to do yet another episode of Grumpy Old Ben's. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I keep trying to get Ryan Bemrose to rage quit, but uh, no dice. And from America's left coast, where downloads of the Grumpy Old Ben's app have doubled year over year. I'm Ryan Bemrose. We don't have an app.